Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. It's a free-for-all edition Flyover Politics Podcast. So how late in the third trimester would you be able to, to do that? You know, it's very unfortunate that our, the, our physicians, uh, our witnesses, were not able to attend today to speak specifically. No, no I'm talking that. about your bill. How, yeah, how, late, I mean, how late in the third trimester could a, a physician perform an abortion if he indicated it would impair the mental health of the, of the woman? Or physical health. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm um, talking about the mental health. So, I mean, through the third trimester. The third trimester goes all the way up to 40 weeks. Okay. But to the end of the third trimester. Yep. I don't think we have a limit in the bill. So, um, where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth, she has physical signs of, um, that she is about to give a birth, would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that the doctor, the physician, and the woman would make I understand make that. that. I'm asking point. if your bill allows that. My bill would allow that, yes. There no exception. There was a very contentious committee hearing yesterday when Fairfax County Delegate Kathy Tran made her case for lifting restrictions on third trimester abortions as well as other restrictions now in place. And she was pressed by a Republican delegate about whether her bill would permit an abortion even as a woman is essentially dilating, ready to give birth. And she answered that it would permit an abortion at that stage of labor. Do you support her measure and, and explain her answer. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I wasn't there, uh, Julie, and I, I certainly can't speak for uh, Delegate Tran, but um, I will tell you one, uh, first thing I would say is this is why decisions such as this should be made by providers, uh, physicians, uh, and uh, the uh, mothers uh, and fathers that, that are involved. Um, there are, you know, when we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done. Uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the, the mother, with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, and it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a, a, a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So, so I think this was really blown out of proportion. Uh, but again, we want the government not to be involved in these types of decisions. We want the decision to be made by uh, the, the mothers and their providers. And, and this is why Julie, that legislators, most of whom are men, by the way, shouldn't be telling a woman 
what she should and shouldn't be doing with her body. And do you think multiple physicians should have to weigh in as is currently required? She's trying to lift that requirement. Well, I think it's always good to get uh, a second opinion and for, for at least two providers to be involved in that decision because these decisions shouldn't be taken lightly. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I, w- I would certainly support more than one provider. All right. Let's uh, go back to the phones now uh, for the governor. We're going to talk now with uh, Mike, who's calling. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It's the 3rd of February, year of our Lord, 2019. And that intro is just disgusting. We're doing a free-for-all today. And, I, I, you know, I'm out of angsty phrases for what I hear coming out of Democrats. And by the end of that first segment, as you heard, is, you know, those are people that supported it, Tran and Northam. We'll find out Northam's a gigantic racist, and the media didn't really care about either of them because they're Democrats. It pretty much just sums it up. So for this free-for-all, we'll do... I was planning the Gosnell movie, which we're still going to touch on, but it's Northam and Gosnell. Now, more about the layoffs. Harris declared, so did Booker, so did pretty much everybody on a subway train in New York. So there's like... I think there's 24 candidates, but you don't hear, oh, this clown show, you know, the media's not saying it. They're actually telling people not to. And then, of course, news and social media nuggets. So before we get into our first section, and I I just really, once again, it just hurt my soul hearing that, you know. Charlie Kirk, uh, facts. By the time an unborn child is 18 days, he has a heartbeat or it so we don't misgender it 42 days brainwaves 52 days of the baby hiccups and yawns eight weeks all organs functions nine weeks fingerprints 10 weeks can feel pain 12 weeks can smile so why do we allow brutal late-term abortions those are facts they're facts that the left knows and Planned Parenthood knows because remember Everybody who's gone from the dark side to the light said it usually came off a sonogram where they actually saw the baby jump when they stabbed it in the melon. So clearly it felt it. Heather, I was nine months pregnant with my son when I was told by a specialist that he'd have a tumor in his brain. The doctor said he'd never live past five and would be severely handicapped, and he strongly suggested abortion. He's 20 years old. My son is now 18. Perfectly. I was 20, excuse me. My son's now 18. He's perfectly healthy and happy. Remember, this is what it's all about. I could play another soundbite, abortion survivor, a young lady just talking for 15 minutes. This is what they're talking about. They're talking about what Europe does. If it might have downs, if the amniocentesis says it could happen, this or that. Genetically choosing your child. Genetic. No, it doesn't have blue eyes. Fuck that. Abort that shit. I mean, that's the way they want to look at birthing a baby, like it's not even a human. And, you know, I could sit here before I get into it and pull up the abortion clock. I could do that. I mean, it's a sad number. A very sad number. A sad number of people of color which seems to be all the left talks about, that they're killing them wholesale, black babies alone. But you knew how the media was going to do it. Pounce, 
CBS playing an actual video where they edited the worst parts out. But um, this was a huge opening for Republicans, and you can see how aggressively they pounced on this. But um, this was a huge opening for Republicans, and you can see how aggressively they pounced on this. But um, this was a huge opening for Republicans, and you can see how aggressively they pounced on this. Virginia's governor today responded to critics after a move by Democrats to ease restrictions on late-term abortions ignited an intense debate. Ed O'Keefe tells us what is at stake. Anti-abortion rights activists were in the crowd this afternoon as Virginia's Democratic Governor Ralph Northam said outrage over a Democratic-sponsored abortion bill was unfounded. We're here to set the record straight. Virginia Democrats are on the side of ensuring women have access to the health care they need. The bill failed this week in the state legislature. It dealt with abortions in the third trimester, which are currently legal in Virginia if three doctors determine the life or health of the mother is at risk. Under the proposed law, only one doctor's approval would be necessary, among other changes. On Monday, the bill's sponsor, Democratic Delegate Kathy Tran, sparked the controversy when she was asked by a Republican lawmaker if her bill would allow an abortion even while a woman was in labor. My bill would allow that, yes. Tran said today that she misspoke. Yesterday, Northam had tried defending her, but drew national attention when he said abortion could be considered even during birth if the baby suffered severe abnormalities. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mothers. Northam, a pediatric neurologist, says his comments were misinterpreted. But conservatives pounced. Let's be really clear about what we're talking about here. We're talking about fourth trimester abortion, or what anyone in the normal world calls infanticide. And President Trump called Democrats the party of late-term abortion, adding that the latest controversy is going to lift up the whole pro-life movement like maybe it's never been lifted up before. But polls show that for most Americans, abortion doesn't rank as a top-tier issue. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi today appeared to want no part of the debate. I'm sorry, I just don't know what he said yesterday. I just don't know. State governments regularly consider abortion legislation. Just last week, New York passed an expansive abortion rights law similar to what was proposed in Virginia. Several other states are considering bills that would restrict or expand abortion rights. Yeah, I repeated it three times, sure. Said on Fox, they pounced. I mean, it's like a dim talking point handed to them by... Talking Points Memo or PPFA or NARAL. I mean, what's the difference? Tom Nichols. Well, it doesn't help the Democrats do have people who are determined to step on their own cranks over and over on abortion. But this has made up infant side crisis, which some pretty coordinated messaging that shows just how bad a month Trump really had. That was another talking point. Peter J. Hassan, you got to be shitting me. Virginia Governor Northam faces fear conservative backlash over abortion bill. GOP seized on liberal positions to paint Democrats as radical in the story that, that was there. Reagan Battalion. Conservatives pounce after Governor casually explains that he plans to legalize the murder of babies after birth. 
Washington Post is quick to cover for local Virginia Democrats that they received a swift backlash for proposing a radical abortion bill that would make it easier for women to get their third trimester abortions. Democrat Delegate Kathy Tran admitted while proposing the bill earlier this week that it would be, even allow a baby to be killed as if they were about to be born. If the horrifying admission... The horrifying admission was dismissed by the Post as they shockingly ran a puff piece defending Tran and Democrats for the radical views. Post reporter Antonio Olivia, Olivo, whatever the fuck, set up his feminist saga right up to get the get-go, labeling conservatives as villains. Until this week, Delegate Kathy Tran was known for nursing her daughter on the House floor. Now Republicans are calling her a baby killer. Even more embarrassing, omitted Tran's most controversial comment supporting Infanticide in its original post. Instead, Olivio stealth-edited his article not once but twice, adding the controversial comment later, as well as a statement from Tran walking back her comments without any editor's notes revealing so. When Republicans were bully, Olivio painted Tran's with soft edges. I don't need to read any more. I mean, it's just what they do. They protect them. RBE. Media won't touch this until it gets to Republicans' pounce. So far, it's only conservatives I follow have commented on this on Twitter today. Anyone else experience anything different? Will the bias of omission bury these comments by Governor of Virginia? Republican Virginia and across the country are trying to play politics with women's health, and this is exactly why these decisions belong between a woman and a physician. This is... Northam's statement. No woman seeks a third trimester abortion except the case of tragic or difficult circumstances such as non-viable pregnancy or in the event of several fetal abnormalities and the governor's comments were limited to the actions physicians would t- uh, shut up. Aaron Blake. Statement from Virginia Governor Northam spokesman Afria Yekshakal on his abortion remarks. The governor's comments were limited to a, a Actions physicians would take in the event that a woman facing non-viable pregnancy or severe fetal abnormalities went into labor. Friendly Gabriel Maller. And there we go. Contrary to Northam's journalist defenders, who left to proclaim he was only talking about non-viable babies, he was also talking about babies with abnormalities. Caleb Hull. Here's a statement. I do not take anything out of context. He wants to change the definition of health of the mother to mean broad mental health. So if an abortionist decides the mother's mental health may be impacted, they can get a 40-week abortion. Reagan Battalion. Calm down, pouncing conservatives. Northam issues clarification that only supports killing babies after birth if the baby is born with severe abnormalities. P.S. This policy is a long history going back to Germany. 1940. And Jerry Dunleavy just sums it up. It's not a walk back. It's a double down. But, you know, CNN, it's all good. 422 Eastern Time and Virginia Democratic Governor Ralph Northam facing a barrage of criticism for comments he made on a late-term abortion bill. The measure proposed in the Virginia legislature would loosen restrictions on abortions during the third trimester of pregnancy. The governor was hit with backlash when he suggested how such a late-term procedure could happen. If a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. The intent of Governor Northam's comments was not clear, but some conservatives thought he was discussing the possibility of letting a newborn die. 
A spokeswoman for the governor says his comments were being taken out of context by Republicans. All right, comments made by Virginia Governor Ralph Northam have late-term abortion have drawn about late-term abortion, excuse me, have drawn heat from prominent Republicans across the country. Uh, during a radio interview yesterday, the Democratic governor and pediatric neurologist defended efforts to lift restrictions on third trimester abortions uh, using a hypothetical situation involving a severely deformed newborn. Listen to this. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So President Trump said the comments were terrible, and Senator Jim DeMint uh, called for Northam's resignation. The governor's office said Republicans had uh, mischaracterized his statements for political gain. Existing Virginia state law already provides for abortions throughout the third trimester if three doctors certify a woman's health would be substantially uh, impacted. Virginia's Democratic Governor Ralph Northam is facing a backlash for comments he made on a late-term abortion bill. The measure proposed in the Virginia legislature would have loosened restrictions on abortions during the third trimester of pregnancy. The governor, who is a pediatric neurologist, was slammed after he said this. If a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. Florida Senator Marco Rubio retweeted the governor's comments, adding this, I never thought I would see the day America had government officials who openly support legal infanticide. A spokesman for Northam tells the Washington Post that Northam was talking about prognosis and medical treatment, not ending the life of a delivered baby. Then CNN National Security Advisor Susan Hennessy. Northam is clear in his comments that he is discussing a situation which an infant is born but unable to survive and the parents and physicians together decide whether to continue to remove life-preserving effort, which is not at all what the right is claiming. I don't think WTOP has uploaded the full interview to their site yet, but I feel like it's always a pretty big tell when a video is clipped like that. Gerald Byer. And by the way, the context is here below. Would continuing the pregnancy harm the mental or physical health of the mother? Mental health of the mother. Not dependent if the infant. It's the mental health of the mother. It's all about the mother. That's why I played the second part. She then doubles down. I don't think there's any ambiguity that he was describing the medical process of abortion through early induction, not termination, following live birth as being suggested. Matt Walsh, he's specifically talking about what to do with the baby after delivery. He says it could be allowed to die and then strongly implies that it may be resuscitated and killed even after resuscitation. Herein ends my foray into the controversial internet topic. Agree or disagree with Northern's position or whether issue you like it, but maybe base objections on his actual positions. And she runs away. Ben Shapiro, my wife is rumored as a doctor, stayed up all night with my five-year-old because my girl has a brutal cough due to flu. Tonight is my turn. My wife then got up and went to work to care for her patient. That's feminism, not murdering babies outside the womb. If your definition of feminism is the free and willful murder of born-alive infants, you're not a feminist. You barely deserve the title human being. But Democratic di digital tra strategist and founding editor of Gawker, no less, Elizabeth Spire, gave it the old college try. 
Why don't you ask your wife, who is rumored to be a doctor, doctor, whether she would recommend outlawing abortion in cases where the mother will almost certainly die if forced to carry a fetus? Ben Shapiro. Virtually every pro-life in America believes in abortion exception to save the life of the mother. So this is wildly disingenuous. The VA and New York legislation go much farther than that. She being, I like killing babies. No, it doesn't. How about your conservatives who are yammering about fictional abortions during childbirth? Read the damn bills. The New York legislation codifies Roe, and the VA legislation could not be any clearer about the exception. Health of the mother, Rose Loratus, she's a woman, is not the same as life of the mother. Matt Walsh. Hi. In what situation would a baby need to be killed before delivery in order to save the mother's life? Please provide an example of one single case in the history of human civilization when a baby had to be directly and intentionally killed in order to save the mother. It is not. There's no situations. You do a C-section. In life of the mother, they do a C-section. They don't murder the baby. Even liberal shows like Grace, we got to get the baby out. The mother's dying. They don't stab the baby in the head and suck out its brains so they can save the mother. That's not how it works. If the mother's dying, it's because it has something totally non-related to the baby. It's not the baby. It's they have cancer, or they have this, or they have that. She did this one and then deleted it because she knows she's a fucking ghoul. When the baby is not viable and an aspect of delivery itself presents a risk, and I'm not going to do your work for you, you lazy shit. She deleted it. Matt Walsh. Delivery still happens with late-term abortion. The baby is just not given a lethal injection first. You're suggesting that a woman would die during the delivery of a live baby, might survive during the delivery if we poison the baby? You do realize, of course, this is just nonsense. And then he did something that actually trended on Twitter. Then they didn't let it trend. It was number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 undocumented infants. Save undocumented infants. And it trended. Because that's the only way the Democrats would actually believe in this. If it's a baby that could die because of Trump, we got to save it. If it's a baby that a woman decides just to stab in the head when it's crowning, that's a woman's right to choose. But if we make it an illegal baby, checkmate. Oh, they're going to, oh, you can't do that. And I know there's been cases where they push for some fucking ghoul to murder her baby. And then they murdered her and there was no reason to murder her. And it wasn't a constitutional right because they're not even part of the fucking United States. So I don't know how that's a constitutional right. He then wrote an article, Walsh. I'm going to read it because it's worthy. Please stop killing undocumented infants who are just trying to cross the border of the birth canal. The only difference between a baby's moments before leaving the womb and a baby outside the womb is documentation. A birth certificate, a social security card are issued to a child within a few, few first weeks of birth. The paperwork is necessary to make the child an official citizen of the United States, but they cannot actually confer biological personhood status. Personhood may be recognized by words on a page, but the words cannot make a person. Besides, I've been reliably informed that undocumented people are still people and deserve all the same rights as those of us with documentation. I've also been told many times that undocumented people have the right to cross through barriers and over borders in pursuit of life and liberty. Planned Parenthood even says that an undocumented have the right to live. I totally agree with this sentiment. 
All people have the right to live, and I certainly would not support summary execution of immigrants on the southern border. It's fortunate that no one has ever suggested such a thing. But there is, you might say, a different southern border that's quite often protected by violent means. Undocumented infants who are trying to cross the border of the birth canal in hopes of a better life are routinely stabbed, poisoned, crushed, and dismembered for doing so. The murder of these migrants is especially egregious because unlike the type from Central America, they really have no choice but to leave their homeland. It is often insisted that migrants from Mexico and Guatemala are forced to leave because of conditions in their countries, while undocumented infants really are forced. They did not choose to be conceived in the womb and the origin. They do not choose when and if they're born. They are victims of circumstance. Immigrants deserve a chance. Isn't that the slogan? They are dreamers. And it goes on. It's really funny because it's really true. That's the only way you care. That's the only way the left would care. So then the ghoul Kathy Tran comes up. Over the last few days, you may have heard a lot of misinformation about my bill to help women make their own health care decisions in consultation with their doctors. Here are the facts straight from me. Let's listen to this fucking ghoul. Hi, I'm Kathy Tran, and I represent the 42nd District in the Virginia House of Delegates. I know women in my family, women in my district, and women across Virginia who've had to make the very personal decision as to whether or not they're going to have an abortion. That's why I introduced a bill to repeal the medically unnecessary and unduly burdensome barriers that Virginian women face when they're accessing this health care service in consultation with their doctor. I presented my bill this week and I was really surprised by the line of questioning that I got. This bill had been introduced in the General Assembly in previous years, and in fact, this session was also introduced in our state Senate. I want to be very clear about what's currently allowed in Virginia law. Right now, women are able to access an abortion in the later stages of pregnancy under certain conditions with the approval of medical doctors. I've done nothing to change that. What I have done is try to make sure that women are able to make these decisions and access these services in a timely manner. Since the bill hearing, I've heard from many women in my district and across Virginia who support my efforts to make sure that politicians don't get between a woman and her health care decisions. I appreciate their support, and I will continue to stand with the women in Virginia. Thank you. She gives no fucks. But Delaware delegate, sorry, Adam Don Adams from Richmond says she would not have co-sponsored the controversial Virginia abortion bill if she had read it more closely. El Skipto Bandido, it's your freaking job to read this stuff. What the heck are they there? What are there for? Our political class has got to be the worst America's ever had. But that's Democrats. Morally justified. Morally right. Doesn't matter that the ACA, which I know is a totally simple, different conversation, had all sorts of shit that most Democrats would never have voted for, but in the dark of night they voted it. Our media said it's okay that Pelosi said you gotta vote, you gotta pass it to be able to read it, and then all the shit went to hell because it was a taxation, it was an abortion of a figurative time. It's the same thing with real abortions. They don't read it. The New York bill has never seen the light of day. Nobody's researched that bill. Nobody's wrote articles about that bill. They're not going to. In the fine print, it probably says a mother can, oh, we're going to head home, but fuck that baby, kill it. 
That's, that's as far as Democrats will go. They don't care. They just don't care. And journalists don't care. They don't research anything. They don't research this bill. If they do report it, it's Republicans pounce. But they didn't dig into it. They didn't dig in to Northam to find out he's a fucking racist. There's no vetting of Democrats. They don't vet HRC. They spin HRC. They vet Trump. They never vetted Obama. Nobody knew anything about Obama. And the simple fact that they suppressed the picture of him with Farrakhan shows you how far our media will go for a Democrat. They'll do whatever. Harris, there's no long stories about Harris boinking a mayor and that's how she got her fucking legs up into the, or legs up. Well, that's what she did. But she got her big, big hook up to be able to get into politics. That's not going to be front page. If she was a Republican, we'd hear about it. If Northam was a Republican, as we'll see CNN did call him a Republican, you'd hear about it. If this bill was to ban abortion, they would print the bill and dissect it. Activism, not journalism. Mark Herring. Trump and his Republicans in Richmond are trying to spread shameful lies about Kathy Tran, a tremendous delegate, and Governor Ralph Norton, a man who's serving our nation in uniform and dedicated, who served our nation in uniform, and dedicated his life to caring for children as a pediatrician. Don't believe a word. Guy Benson will believe our ears and eyes. Thanks. Disgusting. And you're complicit. Spread shameful lies by showing a video of exactly what he said. Then you got Planned Parenthood. The Trump Pence administration is a lengthy record for taking positions that fly in the face of science and medicine. This callous and deliberate misrepresentation is no exception. Sanjar and GD. POTUS slams Northam Tran comment. Planned Parenthood, that's what they tweeted with it. Let's set the record straight. This idea that a proposed bill in VA somehow allows a woman to have an abortion up to her as she gives birth is flat out untrue. Abortion later in pregnancy are rare. They often result from dis- diagnosis of severe fetal abnormalities or serious risk to pregnant person's health. That's called a C-section, but okay. This woman's story shows how painful these situations could be. These are situations where women and doctors and la, 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 blah. There's no medical reason for that. It's erroneous and unnecessary for Trump or anyone to suggest that they propose bill and VA would result in women ending pregnancies while in labor is absurd. Blah, blah, blah. What Trump and all them. Doug Patch. Here's a fact. There's obvious a woman in about to give birth would not be a point at which she could still request an abortion. Republican dele- Delegate Todd Gilbert Tran. My bill would allow that. Yes. So you're doing a bald-faced lie. She admitted it on video. She agreed that even as the mother is dilating, the baby can be aborted. You're a liar, PPFA. Chris Campbell. So you're saying Rep Tran is lying because everybody heard what she said. Newborn baby at 33 weeks, 5 pounds, 15 ounces. You know, we talk about science a lot in our abortion. There's a shit ton of preemies. And preemies have come so far ahead, folks. 31, 29, they make it. But you're saying, fuck it. New York City chick, politicians on tape admitting abortion would be allowed until birth. Under these bills, a woman would be allowed to kill the fetus up to 40 weeks. 
Mark Herring again, a Democrat from Virginia. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to say it again. Steve Guess. Virginia Delegate Kathy Tran submitted bill to save caterpillars on the same day as late-stage abortion. It's also chief patron of a bill to protect the lives of fall canker worms. During certain months, Democratic Virginia Delegate Kathy Tran introduced House Bill Number 2495, fall canker worm spraying prohibited during certain months. So we're going to save worms and caterpillars, but fuck them babies. Then conservatives start digging, because the media is not going to do it. He got $2 million from Planned Parenthood. Kind of sums it up. Catholic Rhode Island Governor Gina Romano vows to sign bill legalizing abortion up to birth. They, they're just following suit. Rhode Island lawmaker deems women's abortion bill testimony as threatening. Because somebody said what you're doing is wrong. That made, they, they reported that all over the fucking place. He was threatened. I, Millennia DuPont, should return the favor and try to abridge his rights as a man and endanger his life, DuPont noted in part in her testimony. And then it just stops. We'll talk about Gosnell for a few seconds. Theaters dropped it after two weeks because it was being successful. There are no write-ups anywhere. And we go back to six years ago. Senate Democrats challenged right-wing hysteria over Kermit Gosnell. Kermit Gosnell, cases cold, closed. Will we draw the right lesson? This is from 2013. Basically saying that it's important that we have abortion. Daily Mail. We plunged the sink and baby arm came out. Cop revealed shocking discovery inside abortionist house of horror. And how killer doctor played chopping to police searched when police searched his home. Gosnell filmmaker didn't care about abortion until they saw the victims. That movie broke me down. It is not a propaganda piece, as the media will tell you. It's not even about abortion. There are no pro-life statements in it. Nobody involved in the case was pro-life. They were all pro-choice. All of them. They were Democrats. Everything is factual. They didn't want to do the case because they didn't want to get into it. They were pretty much threatened not to do the case. But it was so horrendous because it was a drug bust that they found everything that they had to do the case. Within this case, we find out that it didn't matter if an abortion clinic was disgusting, had human babies and bags all over the place. I think they said there were 200 because they lost their um, contract with the human waste company. They were ordered by the Republican, or excuse me, the Democratic governor not to do anything. Leave abortion alone. So abortion clinics weren't being inspected like medical clinics are. We find that he killed a woman didn't care. We find out that he killed a couple women and maimed a bunch of women 
with him and some other ghoul that came up with a new device that went into the vagina, got into the fucking uterus, and then opened up and it was like a buzzsaw that would just chew the baby up so they could suck it out easy. But it chopped women up. It was called the Mother's Day Massacre. It was in the 70s. Media didn't cover that either. And then we find out about Baby A. The state decided, or the judge, who was pro-life, or pro-choice, excuse me, to block most of the babies that they did find that were full-term babies. These late-term abortions that these laws in Rhode Island, Virginia, Vermont, New York City, and five other states that are blue states were allowed to happen. We find out for them to even do that, they have to stab the top of the head, suck the brains out, so that their heads will cave in. Because the babies are so big, they won't come out the womb. They shoot it in the heart, they suck its brain out, and then they yank the baby like a regular delivery. But within his term, which is happening all over our country, as we'll see. It's even advertised, 36-week abortions in New York. Sometimes it doesn't work. In our country, we banned lethal injection because sometimes it doesn't work. Well, that's the case with the babies. But nobody's going to ban abortions because that's a woman's right to choose. So these babies are alive. And baby A came out, and the only thing that doctor could say is, wow, this kid's pretty big. You can almost see him at a bus stop. And then he takes a pair of scissors, stabs him in the back of the neck, and cuts his spinal cord. And walks out of the room. One lady who worked there finally could take it no more. She took a picture, and that's how he ended up going down. But our media made it just like this. And that's why I'm touching it. It's just like this. Pounce seizing the extremists are people who don't believe you should kill a baby after 22 weeks which is what 81% of the country thinks 81% it's been steady forever but the left because once again like we talked about last podcast They're scared they're going to lose Roe. Now, a real journalist would go on your TV and say, that's never happening. The Supreme Court doesn't go back and undo what the Supreme Court does. That's why the ACA hasn't won anything. That's why the the Republicans can't stop most of the ACA crap, because they already ruled that it was constitutional. That's why gay marriage will never be overturned, because they believed it was a violation of the 14th Amendment. How they got that, I don't know. It was a state rights, but I digress. So in their zeal of worrying and firing up their base for 2020 in the midterms, they're now passing all these laws that are intended to allow a baby to be killed during birth. To codify Roe. Because Roe was ambiguity, you know, there was ambiguity about what the fuck how long you can abort a baby. 
It wasn't a law, it was a ruling, but we've decided to base everything off that ruling. But they're not the extremists. It's Republicans, conservatives, independents, normal Americans, who believe you should make that decision a lot sooner than the third and fourth trimester. When Cuomo was criticized by the church, who chose not to excommunicate him, he said the church doesn't believe in a woman's right to choose. He just did some fucking Planned Parenthood talking points. Josh Jordan was all over Twitter pushing. Partial birth abortion has historically been opposed. 80% plus of the country. Gallup's never done a poll about allowing a live baby just to die. Which is what Northam said. So now Republicans are going back. And in Utah they're doing a 15 week ban. Professors all over the country are calling it unconstitutional and immoral. We see that this abortion facility advertises it performs abortions at 36 weeks. It's Washington, D.C., and there's another one in New York. It's an ad. So there goes the, oh, this is rare. It doesn't happen. Well, it clearly does. And then Henry Rogers, the only reporter I could find that had the temerity to ask questions because I think Pelosi was asked once and she says she doesn't even know what it was which will flip in a second once Northam's KKK went viral he went around and asked everybody every Democratic senator I've spoke with has completely denied hearing anything about Governor Northam's late term abortion comments Vince Gambone I guess they have to wait for their marching orders, talking points from the leadership of her commenting. It appears that the entire Democratic caucus lives under a rock somewhere with no internet access. But they never once heard it. They they pretended they didn't have to. No major news network made a big deal out of it because it doesn't matter. And as we'll segue out with Tucker covering this and talking to somebody who's a pro-abort pro-kill baby chick we'll go right into the KKK which once again nobody's being forced to say a whole lot we're not making it front page news it won't lead the nightly news it's like an Obama Friday dump fuck it it's Democrats we'll protect them Monica Klein is a founding partner at Seneca Strategies. She joins us today. Monica, thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you describe yourself as pro-choice. I bet a lot of people watching right now think of themselves as pro-choice. Um, so I'm not attacking you for that. But I, I wonder what you think of what Dr. Northam, the governor of Virginia, just said, that when a child, he described the child as an infant, um, is born, there's a point where the mother and the physician can decide whether to kill the infant or not. What do you think of that? Look, Tucker, I understand that you want to go back to a time where uh, Roe v. Wade was illegal, where women were having don't, back don't alley abortions, just, and they on, were using this is so, coat look, hangers to have abortions, right, which is right, actually right. what's look, barbaric. I, I'm giving you time to make, a re- to make a real argument. I'm not arguing for the repeal of Roe v. Wade. I'm a very straightforward person. That is person. what you're I'm, essentially I'm, I'm, actually, saying. Actually, no, that's not what I'm arguing. And please don't be tiresome. The governor of Virginia, who is a 
rising star in the Democratic Party just said this. There's pending legislation that mirrors it. And I'm asking you what you think of it. That's it. I'm not here to debate I Roe v. Wade. I think that right now, reproductive health care is under attack by the Republican Party. 72% of Americans support the right to choose. And yet we have Trump and we have sexual predator Kavanaugh okay. trying to repeal Roe v. Wade and trying to take away our control okay. of our own bodies. This isn't about okay. babies. This isn't about health care. This is about you attempting to control women's bodies. Okay. Okay. Please don't be a robot. Monica, you're smarter than that. This is the Please. governor of Virginia just saying this. I just want to know what you think of it. Is that okay? Does that bother you? It's a sincere it question. This just me. happened. Okay. It bothers me that you are attempting to control women's bodies. Not That's what you're doing. You are. Bodies. The Republican Party the right now Look, is working overtime think, to repeal okay. Roe v. Wade and to take away choice in every I single state. I wonder if you think you're convincing anybody or if your unwillingness to address what just happened today on tape that we just played is a sign that you can't defend this. And if you can't defend it, I wonder why that is. Have you paused to ask yourself as an American, as a person, what do I, I, mean, as a woman, you what do I think your, of that? As a woman, what do I think of it? Have you yeah. asked yourself why you spend so much time talking about this rather than thinking about why your party is trying to repeal Roe v. Wade and control women's bodies? Okay. Okay. Right now, there are okay. seven Hold states on. where there's only one abortion clinic, okay? okay? There are four let, states let with trigger you. bans where we would... If Roe okay. v. Wade is repealed, women cannot get reproductive health care. This is about a woman's okay. right to choose, and you as a man should not have a single say in that. Wow. Do you think that you're making a case that most people agree with, that it's okay to abort a child in the third trimester Tucker, for you no... you keep trying to put words right, in my mouth and keep trying to you... say that the Democratic Party is yeah. hurting children. I, I have but to your say, party is the one that is tearing families I'm apart at the border and allowing children to party. die in federal custody. So whose party is actually harming children? Wow. I just Let me just ask you one quick question. I mean, this is obviously ahead, a pointless Tucker. conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think less of you uh, after, I, I have to say. Think but less it's, of you, so don't it's an honest question. Mm. Have you thought about it? Do you have a real answer to what the governor of Virginia said, or are you going to throw yet another talking point at me? I mean, have you actually thought about it? Will you answer that question at all? I have thought about it, and I am telling you, you that your party is attempting to change right. the conversation about Roe v. Wade okay. and take control of okay. women's bodies. I'm sorry that okay. as a man, what you're focused on is controlling women's bodies, but we will not allow you to do that. This is a child who's been born... This is not a woman's body. This is an it independent just person. It me why you pretend that you have concerns over children when you're completely fine with ICE right. tearing families apart and children dying in federal right. custody. Monica, thank you. I, I appreciate it. A decades-old yearbook page suddenly in the spotlight tonight because of this picture of two people, one in blackface, the other in a KKK hood. The page belongs to Ralph Northam. He's now the Democratic governor of Virginia. That's him in the tie in 1984, the year he graduated from the Eastern Virginia Medical School. It's not clear who the two people in the photo are. The picture originally surfaced on a far-right website that often promotes conspiracy theories. A school official says it is unknown if students chose the photos for their own yearbook pages. As a politician, Northam has earned a reputation as a strong supporter of civil rights. The page shows two men, one in blackface, the other dressed as a member of the Ku Klux Klan. It was first posted by a conservative website just a short time ago. You could expect this went the way you thought it would go. Very disappointed my two U.S. Senators, Mark Warner and Tim Kaine, stopping short of calling on Ralph Norton to resign. That is bogus. He does not and should not get a pass. Warner is up in 2020. Black folk, time for us to stand up 
and be accountable. Shenu defending Northam. His whole life has been about exactly the opposite, and that's what you need to examine, not something that occurred 30 years ago, Democratic Senate Minority Leader in uh, fucking Virginia. Virginia Dem leadership defending Northam, Representative Jerry Connolly also calls for no resignation. In a new statement, Connolly says it's up to Northam to decide whether he wants to stay in office, but doesn't call for it. Submit twenty. Which one? Okay, in twenty twenty, presidential candidate Senator uh, Senator Camelia Harris has yet to comment on Northam's clearly racist yearbook photo showing him in either blackface or KKK outfit. He won't say which, but she did have some very nice things to say about Coonman, which is his nickname. Congratulations, Ralph Northam and his team for showing that Virginia won't stand for hatred and bigotry. Jennifer Rubin. Dems need to move Northam out ASAP. Lieutenant Governor is a dynamic, elegant African-American. Oh, no. Alyssa Milano. This right here is what systematic, deep-rooted racism looks like. Recognize it and call it out when you see it. She thinks Ruben is racist. No one who replied to this tweet understands that saying he's an eloquent African-American man is offensive. The entire world. You mean... You've got the first sort of mainstream African-American who's articulate and bright and clean and nice-looking guy. I mean, that's a storybook, man. Biden. Harry Reid said it. Planned Parenthood did call for him to resign. Chris Barron, hey, Governor, instead of tearing down Confederate statues, maybe you should have focused on burning all the copies of your yearbook. CNN, then at 9 p.m., the evening this broke, labeled Ralph Norman as a Republican at around 9 p.m. in the evening during AC 360 with Anderson Cooper. Ralph Northam's apology was played, R. Virginia. Is there a five-second rule for Chirons? Watch the whole segment here, because five seconds later, they put it back to D. It was a huge Chiron Republican. Then they went with a small Chiron with Northam's name, job title, what was supposed to be a D label for Democrat, but instead read R for Republican for the whole nine seconds before it was wiped as a larger breaking news Chiron replaced it. Later in the video, the snarky CNN Chiron writer tried to make up for the mistake by going back to a lower third with just Northam's name and a D. That remained for the next 14 seconds before alternating back a Chiron that read breaking news, Virginia governor on racist photo. I accept responsibility and I'm ready to do the hard work to regain your trust. Did you catch there was no D or R? This is the shit I talk about. This is the implicit bias our media does. When it's a Republican, the R's on the screen, they say Republican in the read, it happens on the nightly news, it happens on CNN, it happens on MSNBC, PBS, it doesn't matter. Republican is forefront. When Democrats fuck up, when Mr. Chocolate City, mayor of New York, or New Orleans, fucked up all the way through his case, they never said Democrat. Ever. Democrat was not uttered. 
WAPO. Minutes after the Virginia pilot broke the news on Friday that a then 25-year-old Northamer featured a KKM image, the Post jumped to the Virginia governor's defense after explaining that a photograph of Governor Ralph Northam's D medical school yearbook page shows a man wearing blackface next to another person in a Ku Klux Klan robe. Writer Laura Vizella, Jim Morrison, and Gregory S. Schneider tried to limit the damage. When he ran for governor in 2017, Northam paid special attention to black churches. After attending two or three every Sunday, his home pastor is African American. So that just washes the sin away. Washes it away. They said the Virginia pilot broke the story. It was big league politics, which the WAPO article from today states a concerned citizen brought it up. A blog, big league politics. So we finally evolved to it's not the Virginia pilot, it's big league politics that broke the story. Brett Baer is the only one I could find that said what it is. Uh, Matthew, your thoughts? Well, it's never a good day for a politician when you're confronted with the yearbook photo and the Washington, D.C. community in your state is trying to figure out whether you were the one in blackface or the one under the Klan hood. Uh, This is a terrible end of a week for Northam, a week that didn't start well either with his comments on not, it used to be defending partial birth abortion, but Northam seemed to be defending in that radio interview post-birth abortion, otherwise known as infanticide. This is a political career in a death spiral. Leslie, think he steps down? I'm not sure if he will. And honestly, you know, I come from a state that, you know, we're known for our recalls, you know, when we put a movie star in the governor's mansion. And I really think the people need to decide. I don't care if this person's a Democrat or Republican. This is highly offensive. Like you said, he's talking about, he admits he was either in a KKK hood or in blackface. Is there one that's worse than the other for the governor? Uh, no, I, I, I'm simply saying that if we're going to have a zero tolerance policy in politics in today of tw- in 2019, that has to be zero tolerance across the board. Whether you're a governor in Virginia, whether you're a congressman like Steve King, th- th- there has to be a zero tolerance, and it can't just be Republicans asking for him to resign. It has to be Democrats. But would Republicans be saying the same thing if he had an R next to his name, next to a D? I certainly hope so. But again. The people of Virginia might say, wait a minute, I may be offended by this, but I can forgive him because it was many years ago. He was young and foolish. He feels differently. He's apologized. Yeah. All I know is that the coverage of this would be a lot different if it was in a different prism. If it was a Republican governor, I think it might be leading a lot of the newscasts that it's not leading currently. Um, And I also... I think it's really interesting in the context here. Obviously, this is tremendously offensive and and horrible. But the earlier comments about what many considered infanticide, about keeping a baby comfortable outside the womb and then making a decision whether to move forward with killing that baby, uh, didn't get a lot of coverage (laughs) comparative to this, which is getting an outroar. Well, I I think we should, you know... He's spot on. On both counts. Number one, if it was Republican, it would have led the news. It wouldn't be a... Uh, conspiracy site and drop down. If it came from fucking Breibart, they'd be touting him as great journalists. 
And what does it say about our media when you can say a baby is live born and you can decide whether you want to keep it or not? And that doesn't really make you get upset. But the black-faced, you kind of get upset. It's not the lead because it's Democrat. we got to protect Democrats. 2020 is coming. I'll be interested to see what this week and Chuck Toad does. I doubt much. But there are top 10 burns. I'm going to cover it on the KKK. Number one, African American. Ralph Norman starring in an afterbirth of a nation. That was pretty funny. Charles Fane Lehman. Ralph Northern will now be kept comfortable while discussion ensues. John Gabriel. You guys are missing the real offensive part of Northam's yearbook. He's smirking. Because yeah, remember, a kid with a tom-tom in his face made the media lose their mind for an entire week. Letting a baby die after it's birthed. And wearing a KKK and blackface, which whatever which one he is, that's not that important. Kyle Smith, Dan, this Northam story just came in. I need you to clear three inches on page A17 in the New York Times. Mark Hemingway, until yesterday, Northam was known for defending women's health care. But when a yearbook photo and blackface was unearthed, Republicans pounced. Jim Garrity, Northam governorship should be aborted in the fifth trimester. Stephen Miller, Northam's career should be made to feel comfortable right now. Jazz Shaw, he probably really just liked raccoons, guys. All a pundit. It's not what it looks like. We're, we were going to a Halloween party for racists. And Rami Panuro, it turns out Northam has never been a big believer in dis- dignity and worth of all human beings. And that's pretty much true. Seth Abramson, Abramson, blue check, journalist. The Northern scandal in Virginia could blow up the Republicans' faces real fast. All it would take is a single member of U.S. media asking GOP chairwoman whether Northam should be impeached. Now that he has refused to resign, I expect that she would shut up pretty quickly. Because, but Trump, and what about isms that Chris Cuomo says are horrible and we should not do they're okay now when you flip the script so we're going to end with some media coverage you can tell it's not that big a deal nobody really fucking cares not that burning because the D always makes it a little less important and then we're going to go to a music break and come into the layoffs Uh, start right off with with Anderson Cooper as they're starting to see the Russia, Russia falling the fuck apart. You could tell there's just some sadness over on CNN. Hello everyone. This is CNN tonight. I'm Don Lemon. And I wish I didn't have to talk about this tonight. I wish we didn't have to talk about the racist part of yet another American politician. Another of our leaders who publicly trafficked in racism, who proudly wore some of the most offensive symbols in this nation's history. And I wish we didn't have to talk about this on the first night of Black History Month. Maybe it's good. We're having this discussion. But how many discussions like this are we going to have? Our history is full of Americans who were proud to parade their racism 
publicly. The evidence is right here, in black and white. A page from a 1984 medical school yearbook of Democratic Governor Ralph Northam of Virginia, showing a photo of two people, one in blackface, one in a KKK hood and robe. There it is, look at it. Governor Northam admits he is one of the people in that picture. He doesn't say whether he's the one in blackface or the one in the KKK robe. Can you put that back up? Can we just put it back up? Doesn't matter, though. They're equally as disgusting and offensive. The governor put out a statement tonight. That photo and the racist and offensive attitudes it represents does not reflect that person I am today or the way that I have conducted myself as a soldier, a doctor, and a public servant. I am deeply sorry. I cannot change the decisions I made, nor can I undo the harm my behavior caused then and today. So here are some uh, important points. First, he apologized. He didn't resign, though. There's another thing the governor knew about this picture. He says he made the decision to appear in it. It is part of his past. And it's not so distant past. This was a yearbook photo from 1984, not 1954. He was 25 years old. He was in medical school. There's no way he didn't know what he was doing when he posed for that picture. A picture that is a slap in the face to Americans of color. Frank, quite frankly, to every American. This matters, it should matter to every single one of us. None of us can forget what happened in Virginia, in Charlottesville in 2017. White supremacists, neo-Nazis, marching in the streets. Counter-protester Heather Heyer murdered, mowed down by a white supremacist who drove his car into the crowd. None of us can forget what the President of the United States said. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. That is why it was so important for the President to emphatically say, once I did something really terrible and it shouldn't happen, but he didn't. He had to do the whole on both sides thing on both sides. There are certain situations, and you hear me talk about it all the time, where there are, there's no both sides. There's no both sides to racism. There's no both sides to sexism. There is no both sides to fact and non-fact, or reality and not reality. There's no both sides to the truth and a lie. There's no both sides to this. And when I saw it, quite frankly, I wasn't surprised. If anybody out there, all the folks who went to high school with me, around the time 1984. I was a senior in high school in 1984. That is not shocking to me. People did that in 1984. It was not right. They thought it was funny. They laughed. And they, did, they paid no consequences because that's the way things were. And it was not so long ago. So all of these people who are either I, feigning shock or surprise, or if you're really shocked and surprised, you have been living in a bubble. Because this was the reality, especially for people like me in Louisiana and in southern states. I can't speak for the North, but this is not shocking. People did this all the 
time. And I know there are a lot of people out there who've got some photo worry going on. Oh my gosh, what is going to pop up with me right now? I know friends who's got photos of me and I wouldn't want... Listen, people, kids do stupid things. They take photos. They do dumb things. But this is more than dumb. This is racist. And if you don't, if you're making an excuse for this, saying, oh, th this is what happened when this person was young. They were in high school. They were in college. They were in medical. They were a young person. If you're making an excuse for it, you need to check yourself. It wasn't, and that's why I got so upset with the whole blackface. You remember that when I said blackface was not cool then? We were talking about a, a major news anchor saying that was blackface. This is why people are so upset, because they think that it was okay, but it wasn't. It, hurt, it deeply hurt people like me. Deeply hurt people like me. So if you even thought it was okay... Or if you're someone like Ralph Northam, then you owe people like me in this country a huge apology before you get on your high horse and get upset and say, oh my gosh, you're being too rough on people. You know what you can do with that being too rough on people. Put it where the sun don't shine. Ralph Northam talked about Trump's both sides remarks just one month later. Quote, I regret that the president of this great country of ours did not denounce what they were, what they were there for. He didn't call it out. I'm talking about Charlottesville. He didn't call it out for what it was. Racism is not just something from our collective past. Just last week, Florida Secretary of State Michael Ertl resigned after photos of him at a party in blackface as a Katrina victim were publicly revealed. That was last week. Governor Northam has apologized. But is that enough? A lot of top Democratic Democrats, members of his own party, well, they don't think so. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Congressman Eric Swalwell, Julian Castro have all called on him to resign. I'm going to talk to Julian Castro in just moments here on this program. And the Virginia House Democratic Caucus is having a conference call right now to discuss this situation. Democrats who've called out President Trump for his racist remarks cannot try to sweep this one under the rug just because Ralph Northam is one of their own. Like I said, I wish we didn't have to talk about this. But the evidence is right there in black and white. Or I should say right there in blackface. Sarah Seidner joins us now with more. Hi, Sarah. Good evening to you. You said it.
back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Right. So you have the legality and then it's the legal, right? You're right? the attorney. You can refuse service. You yeah. know, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Uh, now you'd have a counter First Amendment argument. You're chilling my rights. It's a private place. Uh, well, then how is this any different than the baker with the cake? Well, that right. was about using service uh, to a group of people that should be a protected class. Right. And unless you could argue that Trump supporters should be a protected class, I don't think you have much of an argument on that. Right. Um, so. Let's say this isn't so much about whether he has the right. It's about whether or not it is right. And here's my problem on this mm. issue. Ordinarily, I'd go down the line, look, be bigger than that. But I don't want to fall into the trap of underselling the significance of the trigger of the expression to people. I think the more appropriate analogy to say is if people were wearing shirts in that said, I hate black people, would he be okay to say, don't come into my place with that? And I yes. think most people... Yeah. That's how people like him see the MAGA hat. Yeah. So does that make okay? I think that's the right question. Well, and the thing is, should you? But just because you, yes, that, but just because you have the right, does it mean that you should? No. Does it mean that? Should, Absolutely not. And should not you be aware? Cases. Again, your, clo your clothing tells a story about who you are, what you think about, and what you present. Right. And also, you, life is not in a vacuum. That hat means a lot of things. If you're going to wear a hat, that hat means everything from, I would say, the beginning of the campaign, maybe even before. Maybe that hat uh, means uh, the Central Park Five to people. Maybe it means mm -hmm. birtherism to people. Maybe it means, you know, Mexicans are rapists to people. And so you cannot erase those things from the store of that hat and say, well, I'm just wearing it because um, I want stronger immigration. Well, a lot of people want stronger immigration. It just can't be about what you want it to be about. There are symbols and things in the society. We're following multiple breaking stories, including sources now telling CNN uh, that investigators have evidence that Donald Trump Jr. called his business associates, not his father, before and after the 2016 Trump Tower meeting. Now, we know these block calls were not to or from him. Does that do anything to answering the fundamental question, which is, did he know about it? This is mistaken. Or, of course, we don't know if he had a personal conversation. Let's not forget that Trump Jr. did meet with Russians about getting dirt on Hillary Clinton. Simone, I, sus I suspect that you don't think this absolves Donald Trump Jr. Of course, uh, this is a, a baseless accusation here from Don Jr. Well, apparently Donald Trump Jr. believes this reporting, uh, so yeah. I guess it's cherry picking which reporting he believes, but... It's very nice that this is helpful to Donald Jr. Yes, he did not contact this person. That's fine. He, sure. Okay, he didn't call him. That's great. That's maybe one dash mark in your favor. But that doesn't negate all the other stuff we know. But if you compare that to the hundreds in the other direction... And there's so many other things here. Do you believe this news? I mean, that does, this does not make it in any way definitive. Just, just because this... That doesn't mean Don Jr. didn't tell the president some other way, correct? Uh, sure, but hold on. Let me give you an eye roll on this one. We are two plus years into an investigation using the best resources in the Department of Justice and the FBI, and the Democrats are hanging their hat on unidentified, a couple of unidentified phone calls a few years ago. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I think it's appropriate to ask whoa, the question. Whoa, whoa, just a sec. Of course, I purposely talked about the last soundbite because the first one, it's CNN. The most trusted name in news and facts first. And Chris Cuomo saying, 
MAGO hats are comparable to saying I hate people and birtherism and all that bullshit you just heard because it's okay to ban people from your establishments for wearing a MAGA hat. It's morally right. When called on it by numerous people, this is what he had the balls to tweet. You are a sad example of needless division. Anyone who watches see you are lying. Be right or be quiet. And he deleted it. Because he got inundated by anybody with a fucking pulse and who isn't part of the resistance who said, you're the division. Every night your TV show is division. All you do is divide. Your entire clickbait network is about dividing Americans. This isn't the first time you and Don Lemon have had your circle jerk of everybody who doesn't vote like you as a racist. Everybody who doesn't suck dick like Lemon is a homophobe. All Christians are bad. If you voted for Trump, you're a race. I mean, all these things we've reported. Did you think that was going to unite people? See, and they're sick, narcissistic, literally parallel universe because they live in the liberal bubble. They truly believe that shit about that tweet I wrote. I read um, last podcast that if you treat them like shit, they'll want to be part of the group and then they'll think like you and vote for you, vote like you. They think that's how it works. If I keep on getting on my TV show and I demean everybody that doesn't think like me and I excoriate teenage kids that have tom-toms in their head, everybody's going to change and be like me. That's not how it works. I've said it on the show. Hillary lost because she was a horrible candidate. She took for granted that all black people were just going to vote for her because she was the white, the first black president's wife. But her deplorable comment opened up what we already knew. They believe everybody that doesn't see the world like them are un-American pieces of shit. Cuomo and Lemon every night demonstrate that. The article I wanted to read, I'm going to read. It's long, but I think it's perfect. How the media fail. Our nation's press is a national joke. Vain, languid, excitable, morbid, duplicitous, cheap, insular, mawkish, and possessed of a chronic self-obsession that would have made Dorian Gray blush. It rambles around the United States in neon pants, demanding congratulations for its travails. Not since Florence Foster Jenkins have Americans been treated to such an excruciating example of self-delusion. The most vocal among the press corps ranks cast themselves openly as firefighters, when at worst they are pyromaniacs and at best they are ubiquitous asbestos salesmen. You never get it Right, do you, Sybil Faltry told Basil and Faltry Towers. You're either crawling all over them, licking their boots, or spitting poison at them like Benzedrine Puff Adder. 
There's a great deal of space between apologist and bet noir. In the newsrooms of America, that space is empty. It's getting worse. Despite presenting an opportunity for sobriety and excellence, the election of Donald Trump has been an unmitigated disaster for the political media, which have never reckoned with the role in Trump's elevation and eventual selection, and which have subsequently treated his presidency as a rolling opportunity for high-octane drama, smug self-promotion, and habitual sloth. I did not go to journalism school, but I find it hard to believe that even the least prestigious among those institutions teaches that the correct way to respond to explosive, unsourced reports that just happen to match your political priors is to shout boom, bombshell, or big if true, and then to set about spreading those reports around the world without so much as a cursory investigation into the details. And yet, in the Trump era, this has become the modus operandi of all but the hardest-nosed scribblers. The pattern is now drearily familiar. First, a poorly attributed story will break. Say, source, Donald Trump killed Leon Trotsky in 1940. Next, thousands of blue check journalists with hundreds of millions of followers between them will send it around Twitter before they have read beyond the headline. In response to this, the cable networks will start chattering with the excuse that, true or not, this is going to be a big story today, while the major newspapers will run stories about confirms the existence of original claim but not in its veracity, and if Representative Schiff is awake, they will note that Democrats say this must be investigated. These signal-boosting measures will be quickly followed by perspective pieces that assume the original story is true and worse seek to draw broader lessons from it. In the New York Times, this might be the long history of Queen residents assassinating socialist intellectuals in the Washington Post, toxic capitalism, how America's red hatred explains our politics today. In the New Yorker, it's been in, I've been in Mexico and was killed by a pickaxe to the head. In Cosmopolitan, the specifics don't matter. Men are guilty of genocide. By the afternoon, the claim will all be media are talking about, and the talking points on both sides of the political divide will have become preposterously mind-numbingly stupid. On a hastily assembled panel, a political consultant who spends his time tweeting, the president is a murderer, this is not normal, will go up against a washed-out politician trying to desperately to squirm his way around the protein, Trump didn't do it, this, how dare you, but if he did actually good because Trotsky was a communist. And anyway, did Obama drone terrorist position that he contrived in a panic in the green room? And then just when the fracas is reaching boiling point, a somber-minded observer will point out that Donald Trump was actually born in 46, and so he couldn't have killed Trotsky in 40, and everyone will wash his hands, go to bed, and move on to the next boom project. Everyone, that is, but the victim of the frenzy is eventually... Usually Donald Trump, but it might be Brett Kavanaugh, Nikki Haley, Ben Shapiro, or a country comptroller from Arkansas, or the children of Covington, or someone who just happens to share the name with a school shooter and once complained online about his property taxes, who will complain bitterly about the spectacle and then be condescended to on the weekend shows by professional media apologists such as Seltzer. This phase is the final one within the cycle. And it also may be the most pernicious, for it's here that it's made clear to the architects of the screw-up at the hands that they should expect no internal policing or pressure from the peers, and then on the contrary, they should think of themselves as equals to Lewis and Clark. To watch Seltzer's show reliable sources after a reporting debacle is to watch master class and whataboutisms and faux persecutions, followed by the insistence that even the most egregious lapses in judgment and professionalism are to be expected from time to time, and that we should actually be worrying about the real victim here, the media's reputation. This, suffice to say, is not helpful. 
were a football commentator to worry aloud that a team's 10 straight losses might lead to some to think they weren't any good, and then to cast any criticism of an attack on a sports per se, he would be laughed out of the announcer box. Accountability doesn't mean always running a retraction when you get it wrong. At some point, it means learning and adapting and changing one's approach. It is not an accident that all the press mistakes go in one political or narrative direction. It is not happenstance that none of the major figures seem capable of playing wait and see when the subject is this presidency. And it's not foreordained that they must reflexively appeal to generalities when a member of the guild steps forcefully in the nearest rank. Reagan liked to quip that the government department represented the closely, closest thing to eternal life we're likely going to see on Earth. And close second is bad journalist, with the right opinion, for he will be treated as if he were the very embodiment of liberty. That certainly is how they regard themselves. The last person to rule America who didn't believe in the First Amendment was King George, wrote Casey Hunt back in June. Which is true, only if you discount that the colonists actually enjoyed robust speech protections relative to their English cousins. If you are insistent insensible of the Alien and Sedition Acts of 78, the pro-slavery gag rules that bound the House of Representatives from 35 to 44, the Civil War, the Espionage Acts of 1917, the Sedition Act of 1918, New York Times Co. versus United States, Woodrow Wilson, Charles Schneck, or Eugene Debs, and most crucially, if you remain wholly incapable of distinguishing between criticism and restriction, Donald Trump, at whom Hunt's quip was aimed, does indeed have instincts towards the First Amendment, of which he and his acolytes should be ashamed. He does indeed have a tenuous relationship with the truth, and he does indeed wear a skin so thin as to border on translucent, but he's not ever attacked the free press. He has not prevented or attempted to prevent the publication of a single printed word, and he has made no attempt whatsoever to change the law that he might do so. Rather, he has repeatedly and often stupidly criticized the press. The difference between these two actions is the difference between a bad art critic savaging a painting in print and a bad art critic savaging a painting with a chainsaw. One is the exercise of liberty, the other vandalism and intimidation. The media understood this difference. They are doing an excellent job pretending otherwise. In complaints about complaint, the press and the First Amendment are held to be synonymous when they are no such thing and cannot logically be so. Jefferson, who was a reliable critic of suppression as the early Republic played host to, wrote famously that if it were left to him to decide whether we should have a government without newspapers or newspapers without a government, I should not hesitate a moment to prefer the latter. And yet he also contended that nothing could be believed which is seen in a newspaper. This represented no contradiction whatsoever. One can believe simultaneously that the press must remain free and that it has built itself into the Erzsach clergy that regards its primary job not as conveying information in an effective manner as possible, but translating writs for the benign public, the bitter to save its soul. If the polls are to be believed, a majority of Americans believe exactly this. And why wouldn't they? When it's made so obvious, last year when the White House unveiled an immigration change that it hoped to persuade Congress to pass, Acosta showed up in the press room with an indignant look on his face and began to recite poetry from the stalls. It is true that Acosta, a man who seems unable to decide whether he's a political correspondent on basic cable or a member of the, case of ha- the cast of Hamilton, is particularly absurd, but he is by no means an aberration. It is for good reason that one cannot imagine a member of the mainstream media behave towards a democratic administration in the manner that Acosta behaves. And the reason is that he never think to do so against his own team. Sometimes, consciously, but most often 
Unwittingly, journalists treat Democrats as normal and Republicans as abnormal and proceed accordingly in their coverage. Once one understands this rule, the whole setup becomes rather amusing. When a headline reads, lawmaker involved in scandal, one can immediately deduce, it's a Democrat. Why? Because if he was a Republican, the story would make the clear in the headline. Without fail, stories that begin with Republicans pounce are actually about bad things that Democrats have done or said, while stories about bad things Republicans have done or said begin with Republican does or says a bad thing, and proceed to dry recitation of facts. A variation of this rule is Republican say, which is used when a Republican say is something that is so evidently true that had a Democrat said it, it would have been reported straight. For a neat illustration of how far- farcical things have become, take a look at the Washington Post's most recent fact check, which is helpfully informs its reader that the claimed 1,000 burger President Trump brought for the Clemson football team were not in fact packed, piled a mile high because a two-inch each, a thousand burgers would only reach one mile high. Democracy dies in darkness indeed. Selective political interest is disastrous in its own right. But when combined with catastrophic historical literacy that is rife among the journalist class, it results in what might be described as the everything happens now as new fallacy, which leads almost everybody on cable news and opinion pages to deem every moment of national irritation unprecedented, to cast all political fights as novel crises, and provide it it is being run by Republicans to determine that the present Congress is the worst ever. Turn on the television and you will learn that our language is least civil, our politics is the most divided, our government's the most, our environment's the most dangerous. When a Democrat is president, he is facing opposition of the kind that no president has had to suffer. When a Republican is a president, he's held to, bad, held to be badly unlike the previous ones, who were in turn regarded as a departure from the predecessor. Continually, we are held to be on the verge of descending into anarchy, or reinstituting Jim Crow, or murdering the marginalized, or a particular favorite of mine, establishing the Handmaid's Tale. Past is prologue, context, and bomb. Without it, all is panic. One of the most toxic consequences of this myopia is that both long-standing problems and bad ideas with a long pedigree come to be discussed in the press as if they were unique to the moment. Early in Trump's tenure, the Internet was thrown into a flat panic by a host of stories warning that Trump was marking Loyalty Day. Surely, it was proposed this was a proof of fascinating aspiration. As it happened... Loyalty Day has been recognized annually since 1958, as the law requires. Similar panics have been started by the news that Trump was bombing Syria without explicit congressional authorization, that he was relying on executive orders to achieve some of what he would, could not persuade Congress to do. He was detaining illegal immigrants at the border, impelling those who became violent, that he reserved the right to use drones anywhere around the world, that he was amending federal websites to reflect his priorities, and that he liked to play a lot of golf. The wisdom and legality of all these decisions and behaviors is debatable, but none of them is new. Even Thomas Paine didn't hope to start the world over again that often. Which brings us to the press' most infuriating habit. It's selective defense of American institutions. On cable news, on New York Times editorial pages, at the many black tie galas of the media like to hold for themselves, the world is deployed as a cudgel. Institution, institution, institution. At least until it's not. Institution matter until the Supreme Court rules in a way that annoys the editors of HuffPo, who immediately cast the same judges who yesterday were beyond reproach as Ill- illegitimate or corrupt, too male or too white, too Catholic, too rich, too mean, 
Institutions matter until the economy produces results that irritate Krugman, at which point the system is held to be rigged. Institutions matter until Barack Obama wants to change the law without Congress, at which point the story becomes that the president wants and not whether what he is doing is legal. Institutions matter until Donald Trump wins an election, and then the entire system needs junking, and it's probably being run by the Russians. Institutions matter until the Senate is deemed an obstacle to progress, or the House disagrees with the President, or the wrong team is making demands, and then nothing is safe. Not even long-standing rules against diagnosing patients from afar. In early 2018, the White House held a press conference in which President Trump's doctor, a rear admiral, delivered a report on the President's health, and in so doing so, unleashed the most extraordinary unethical frenzy in recent history. Won't go into it, we know it. And try to get to the bottom. The greatest service that Donald Trump has rendered the United States is to have exposed the many ailments of which he is a symptom but not a cause. We had political division and cultural alienation before him. We had overbearing government and imperial executive branch before him. We had media that were arrogant, parochial, and impediment before him, too. Alas, they have grown yet worse since he arrived. Think it's a bunch of hot air? BuzzFeed accused of laying off mostly persons of color. Didn't make the news. Pennsylvania officials have admitted to finding names of 11,198 non-citizens registered to vote on the state rolls, and the left says there's no voter fraud. Never made the news. Then we have the whole Twitter debacle. I could read you pages of shit. Pages of shit. But telling a journalist to code gets you suspended now. Because it's abuse? Hmm. But I will read you the top funny ones. This is really funny. Lizzie Lou Who, hashtag quote unquote, ask not what your country can do for you, but if you can learn to code for your country, road bear life. For he who should code with me this day shall be my brother. We few, we happy few, we band of coders. Cornbread, code bread, with, of course, the code red from uh, whatever that movie is, Few Good Men. What, what's it called? I think it's Few Good Men. Fuzzy Chimp, did you order the code? Another version. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this code. I regret I have one code to teach to the journos. Let them eat code from the morning spoo. Jeff Olson, I think therefore I code. Captain Whitebread, did you ever learn to code with the devil in the pale moonlight? Smirks, why aren't I 50 codes ahead? How do I love thee? Let me code the way. That's one small function for man, one giant code routine for mankind. And it goes on and on and on. Including learn to code attachment to an AR. But you can't do that. It's a violation of the term of service. Because they're Democrats. T.D. Thompson, I guess Catholic schoolboys in red hats don't meet the criteria for specific individuals. Debbie Wardle, 
I would buy that if they had removed tweets like Kathy Griffin's called the docs the Covington kids. Yeah. HuffPo ran an article during the middle of this. We need to encourage girls to learn to code. But that's okay. Yeah. To prove it again. Eight worst media reactions to Covington. Smear hard. CNN and MSDNC working overtime. The standoff in the National Mall happened Friday. CNN and MSC viewed vied for the outraged social warrior demographic, spending a combined total of 53 minutes and 20 seconds harping about the kids. I bet we're not even at five minutes for the KKK hood and Northam. If that. What I played is all I could find. The second worst, I'll give you a blowjob if you punch these kids in the face. Third worst, Nightly News deploys Covington hate to millions. Monday's Nightly News pointed another loaded fake news gun at the heads of Covington kids and invited the nation's viewers to pull the trigger. This face-to-face confrontation ignited Charles Arasim, Kentucky high school students accused of mocking native elder blah, 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 blah. All false. In Kentucky, school spirit is spelled with KKK. New York Daily News manufactures a bigoted backstory about their school community. A January 21st piece by the outlet insisted that coveting Catholic schools were fans of dastardly blackface trope. We already dispelled that. Five, millions tune in to watch Guthrie Skullchild on NBC. Six, it was always about the hats, all the pieces we covered. Seven, the fact checkers are in the sludge too. A full week after the confrontation, the media frenzy began to subside. Snopes.com got caught red-handed once again and being a leftist propaganda machine by saying the Native American they couldn't really say if he wasn't a Vietnam vet. Even though he was caught on video saying he was a Vietnam vet and his record says he wasn't. Eight, last-ditch liberal lashing. And finally, there was comedian NPC Bill Maher viciously attacking the kids after it was clear they were innocent, on January 25th, Marr lost his mind over Sam and it produced one of the most foul insults ever leveled at a kid. I don't blame the kid, the smirking kid. I blame leading lead poisoning and bad parenting. Oh, yeah, I blame that fucking kid. He fumed, added the lovely little point that I don't spend a lot of time, I must tell you, around Catholic school children's, but I do not get what Catholic priests see in these kids. Then BuzzFeed had a funeral, went through and asked, what's your favorite memory? Are you a manager? Remember all the free Shaban? What's your favorite hardy, what's, wasn't our holiday party lit? It was a quiz. Then an editor, who still didn't get fired, Brandon Wall, additional context, a fake BuzzFeed screenshot as a meme circling around Mega World. And has been shared by Ben Shapiro, Matt Mittenhall, on the topic of how terrible the platforms are policing themselves. I reported this extremely fake BuzzFeed post four days ago, which is even an option of reporting false news, which I chose no response since the post is still up. Anyone home over there, Jack? How smiling has become the new symbol of white supremacy. It's only fake because that wasn't the title of the article, but in the article it did say it. Mm-hmm. 
Randy Quaid summed up BuzzFeed pretty well. Creating fake news is not a job. It's called it's it's a calling, like devil worship. No sympathy for BuzzFeed and Huff job loss. Good riddance to democracy killers and character assassins. Fake news, losing subscribers, no money to feed your vert vultures. Boo hoo. But during this week, to further prove what Charles Cook just wrote eloquently and I read. Study blames conservatives for fake news, citing Bill Nye. Yeah. Then we went on a climate kickbait, clickbait. CNN, it's so cold in Chicago that workers are setting fire to railroad tracks just to keep the trains moving. The extreme cold around negative 22 Wednesday morning could cause rail defects. New York Times. Newsweek. ABC, NBC, CBS. Taylor Goldstein, laugh out loud. Switch heaters are used throughout the winter, guys. Polar vortex crazy. But this is a bad example. It's not true. That's not what they were doing. Then we got CNN. Brooke Baldwin, CNN tops MSD and C in total day, primetime day, day side and weekends in January. She's all excited. Right after she tweeted this, Andrew Gillum, Thrilled to be joining CNN as a political commentator. <laughs> MSNBC only spent 91 seconds on the four cops that were shot in Houston. And then we start getting into our immigrants. Illegal. Antifa leader Jose, I'm sorry, this is the Antifa first. Antifa leader Joseph Jose Alcoff Chepe. Arrested, charged with multiple felonies in Philly, connected to the Antifa mob attack against two Marines, where he called him a fucking spick. Remember that? Never been covered. Antifa leftists and smashed the patriarchy shirt, shot by police after pulling a gun in a middle school. It broke out in the media. Then they dug, they got rid of it because there's a screenshot. They're holding a gun. Top Schumer aide was pushed out after inappropriate sexual encounter with staff. Here's the rub. It happened in November. The news just broke now. Washington Post, ponder impeachment, but worry Trump's core supporters might get viler. Violent, excuse me. That's an article this week. Still talking about impeachment. But we're going to get violent. We're the violent ones. We are. And then are immigrants. Border Patrol say they treated hundreds of seriously ill migrants. There's all sorts of diseases still coming out. There's a form of plague around one of the camps. Illegal freed on less than 4K bail after killing 22-year-old citizen in a car crash. He'd been deported. Martinez Guzman worked for South Reno Couples Landscaper last year. Filing said he's accused of killing a 19-year-old kid with a 22 caliber gun that he wasn't supposed to have. Then Alyssa Milano started some more fake news. The Department of Homeland Security has operated a fake university in Detroit suburbs as part of an undercover operation to lure undocumented immigrants seeking to obtain student vitas. In the article, as this was passed around the internet, it started in 2015. 
I'm not a mathematician. But last time I checked, that was Obama. Didn't report that. Andy Cohn. Colorado Senate just passed the National Popular Vote Bill, SB 19042. It enters Colorado in an interstate compact with other states with the goal of awarding electric college voice based on popular vote nationwide as opposed by state by state. Yeah. They're going to the popular vote. Ignore the Constitution. Constitution doesn't mean shit, folks. Not to these people. It don't mean shit. When it doesn't suit their needs. But yet you're going to read up 10,000 pieces about how Trump's destroying the Constitution. You have a state just voted against the Constitution. You have cities and states that are voting against laws of immigration. Yeah. Okay. And then we find out Vice Media cutting, McClatchley's cutting, 10 to 15% of their staff. So there's your layoffs. You wonder why it's happening? Just look. It's horrible. I could play a rancher invited Pelosi to come to his ranch to show that the wall was necessary and she never showed up and responded, but I won't. Let's go into Harris. This will be brief. Their long-term needs, the hopes and aspirations they have for their children and grandchildren, and speak to that as opposed to speak to the lowest common denominators and base instincts and speak in a way that is about inciting fear as a distraction from the fact you're getting nothing done except helping the richest people and the biggest corporations. Just, so just to follow up. Just to follow up on that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, to reiterate, you support uh, the Medicare for All bill, I think initially co-sponsored by Senator Bernie Sanders. You're also a co-sponsor on on it. I believe it will totally eliminate private insurance. Um, So for people out there who like their insurance, they don't get to keep it? Well, listen, the idea is that everyone gets access to medical care. And you don't have to go through the process of going through an insurance company, having them give you approval, going through the paperwork, all of the delay that may require. Who of us has, has not had that situation where you've got to wait for approval and the doctor says, well, I don't know if your, your insurance company is going to cover this? Let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. I want to bring in Robert John Ford. He's a playwright and composer. His show, Caucus the Musical, has been presented every presidential election year since 2004. Robert? Senator, many Democrats that I've spoken with agree that the primary objective for 2020 is to nominate the candidate that has the best shot at defeating Donald Trump. Some have also said that given what occurred in 2016 and the current political climate, that a male nominee will have a better chance this time around than a female nominee. The multimedia Would you please respond to this so that this man has a response ready the next time a man tries to mansplain why a man (laughs) would make a better nominee? Well, 
well, my first response, Robert, is this, which is that the person who presented that point really is not giving Brilliant. the American voters enough credit. Marketplace. They're smarter than that. The people who vote, the people who live in this country are smarter than that. They're going to make decisions based on who they believe is the best leader. They're going to make decisions based on who they believe is speaking Brilliant. truth, who is doing it in a way that gives people dignity, doing it in a way that elevates public discourse as opposed to bringing us to the lowest common denominator and base instincts. That's how the voters are going to vote, and that is going to be the basis upon who will win. Brilliant. And the as far as I'm concerned, listen, I mean, in my entire career, I've heard people say when I ran and, and, and ran as the first woman who would win, uh, it's not people aren't ready, it's not your time, nobody like you has done that before. Brilliant. I haven't listened and I would suggest that nobody should listen to that kind of conversation. Okay. Thank you. We'll be right back with more from CNN's presidential candidates. So right there, you heard her first deplorable moment. Eliminating private health insurance and a mansplaining. Yeah, this was unbiased, but, you know, that's how CNN wanted to portray it. The fact of the matter is, Camilla Harris' first trip to Iowa since announcing her candidacy is an invitation only. CNN Town Hall with pre-selected questions. If Harris can't defend her record to voters, she shouldn't have run in the first place. It's a CNN invitation. It was all people. It's just like Warren. They don't really meet people. Her article, how far they pulled her to the left. If you could have debate the current president, how does that conversation go without becoming reactive? How do you stay on your message and not get caught up in his crazy? In a society where nearly one in five children live in poverty, is the existence of multi-billionaires morally defensible? Hmm. Yeah. Out of the box, CNN Town Hall hype puts thumb on scale for Harris. Laura Thade, as I listened to CNN Town Hall for Camilla Harris tonight, she absolutely lied about her record on the death penalty, and then the whole world starts jumping on her with African Americans because she's worse than Hillary with a thug. Yeah. It's, then you got the fucking a Daily Beast article talking about what his kid said. This is our America, she proclaimed. Just then, my five-year-old granddaughter walked the room, looked up the television, and exclaimed, You didn't tell me we had a girl president. Not yet, baby girl. Not yet. People dogged her. My four-year-old was reading the Daily Beast. Me went through the article. She looked up while taking a long drag from her unfiltered camel and said, What are they teaching children today? Doesn't her daughter realize it wasn't a presidential election year? And then the family dog started clapping. I'll take that to take things that never happened. <laughs> then she tried to backpedal that she's not going to actually take the shit away. Andrew Kaczynski is actually caught eliminating an article and then justifying it. Deleting this tweet because multiple Harris campaign spokesmen would like it clarified. Harris said to CNN Town Hall she supports eliminating private health insurance. Her campaign advisor would like to emphasize she's also open to bills that preserve private health. Then the world says, well, how do you do this just for a campaign person? But that's how they do it. That's how they do it. If the left corrects them, they correct articles. If the right does it, go fuck yourself. 
But I'm just going to cut to the chase and play the damning things about her. All right, just damning. I'm not going to go all the way into the weeds. Here's her two-way statement in an interview with Brown. Mayor Willie Brown, the person she fucked so she could get a leg up. We have got to have smart gun safety laws in this country. And we've got to stop buying this false choice. You can be in favor of the Second Amendment and also understand that there is no reason in a civil society that we have assault weapons around communities that can kill babies and police officers. Um, something, Something like universal background checks. It makes perfect sense that you might want to know before someone can buy a weapon that can kill another human being. You might want to know, have they been convicted of a felony where they committed violence? That's just reasonable. You might want to know before they can buy that gun if a court has found them to be a danger to themselves or others. You just might want to know. That's reasonable. There is no reason why we cannot have reasonable gun safety laws in this country. And guess what, guys? Here's the reality of it also. We're not waiting for a good idea. We have the good ideas. An assault weapons ban, background checks. I want to bring in Wallace Bubar. He's a pastor of the Central Presbyterian Church here in Des Moines. Pastor Bubar. Good evening. Good evening. As a pastor, I have observed and witnessed firsthand the devastating effects of gun violence on families and communities. Uh, Several years ago, I did a funeral for a young man in Philadelphia who was shot and killed. Uh, We had here in Des Moines just three years ago a teenager who had been part of our church's tutoring program who was shot and killed. Uh, As you know, the rates of gun violence in America are astronomically higher than in other Western democracies, uh, what do you think can be done? And uh, what would you be prepared to do to address the problem of gun violence? Yeah. Well, thank you, Pastor. I mean, um, and, and I know that for, for folks like you who have to stand strong, for so many who look to you for strength, even when you're grieving, uh, and to keep pushing on to lead, um, is is so important, and thank you for that. Um, you know, here's the thing. We have got to have smart gun safety laws in this country, and we've got to stop buying this false choice. You can be in favor of the Second Amendment and also understand that there is no reason in a civil society that we have assault weapons around communities that can kill babies and police officers. I'm thinking about the campaign poster right now, and I'm thinking about what would look good. And I'm thinking about your name, which is a very common American name, Brown. And I think about another name that's pretty common, Harris. And I'm wondering whether Harris Brown or Brown Harris looks good to you, because both of you guys are progressives. You're from different parts of the country, probably different tones to to your ideologies, but probably similar in product in terms of pragmatics. What do you think of that ticket? What well, the I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm not going to comment on a ticket. I'll just say I, I like Kamala. I was um, amazed that uh, somebody called her un-American today for a proposal she had on health insurance that one of the billionaire candidates for president. So um, I stand with her on that. We've stood together on a number of issues, and uh, I think very highly of her. So I want to return to the question that Senator Peters asked you about the statement you made describing the Democratic Party as liberal-cratic or neoclanist, which was, um, I think the assumption there was that you were comparing it to the Ku Klux Klan. Klan. 
um, the KKK. So you said in response to his question, you're sorry because the words caused offense. So would you not be sorry if no one was offended by your words? No, it was wrong to do. Uh, Why was it wrong? Because those are offensive words. Why are they offensive? Because they have history in this country, and, and I, I honestly did not mean it that way. But please talk about the history. What is the history that would then make those words wrong? Well, the, the Klan was a, what we would call today a domestic terrorist group. Why? Why, why would we call them domestic terrorist group? Because they tried to use fear and force to change political environment. And what was the motivation for the use of fear and force? It was based on race and ethnicity. Right. Are you aware of the perception of um, many about how the, the, the power and the discretion at ICE is being used to enforce the laws? And do you see any parallels? I do not see any parallels between I'm talking about officers and agents. I'm talking about perception. I, I do not see a parallel between what is constitutionally mandated as, in, as it relates to enforcing the law. Are you aware that there's a rights. perception? I see no Are you aware that there's a that perception? That puts ICE in the same category as the KKK. Is that what you're asking me? Uh, no, I'm very specific about what I'm asking you. Are you aware of a perception that the way that the discretion... I see to no inf- parallel. I'm not finished. I see none. I'm not finished. I'm not finished. Are you aware that there's a perception that... that ICE is administering its power in a way that is causing fear and intimidation, um, um, particularly among immigrants and, and specifically among immigrants coming from Mexico and Central America. Oh, I forgot. I had to put her KKK because all law enforcement are KKK. Yeah. So that sums up about 10 articles I could have read to you. People on the left are bringing it up not conservatives, the left, but the media is not. Once again, I don't care who the fuck she fucked, but if she was a Republican, say she fucked uh, Schwarzenegger, do you think that would be out there in California politics? Don't you think it would? I could play you another soundbite by Seltzer, kissing AOC's ring. I could read you... This was an article in the New York Times. Nerd Warren on page one had many in the audience cheering, engrossed as Warren, the Massachusetts Democrat president hopeful, did what she does best. Nerd out. By the end, she had many in the audience cheering. She's the wonks wonk. Blah, blah, blah. Nowhere in the article. Do they say it was an invitation only? Those were her people. Her people. Then she talked about a green deal using the polar vortex. And then we just totally ignore that she finally, this week, Elizabeth Warren apologizes to the Cherokee Nation. This is our media. This is how they are. They're going to let them just, they're not going to vet. They're not going to do every report talking about grabbing a pussy or he's not liked or he's too religious. 
He's not a real black man. She's not a real woman because she doesn't believe in a woman's right to choose. None of that. They're not going to cover it. They're just going to bury it. Totally fucking bury it. And I don't even know where they want to go because then Gillibrand comes out and Booker. And that's how we'll close the segment. Gillibrand dropping the G like she's down with the black people. And Booker getting so much love from CBS, not talking any negatives, and him being allowed to say my Spartacus moment where I freaked out during Kavanaugh, I am so proud of that, which would be played totally different if he was a conservative and stormed out of a hearing. It would be said, this is the Supreme Court. How could he treat a Supreme Court nominee like that? How can you do that? No. Not doing any of that. The media is going to have a problem. Because their fear of offending people on the left and buying into all that Kool-Aid that we treated Hillary bad. We talked about her emails too much. We treated her horrible in 08. We went after the black guy and we really wanted the black guy. So we just kind of dogged her and we damaged her. They're sucking so much ass right now, it's going to be hard for them at the end. Who do they pick? Because that's what it's about. It's not about the Democratic voters. It's about the media jamming one of these 24 people down your neck and telling you they are the most qualified candidate ever to be president. They're the forward-facing America we need. And anybody on the other side is the fucking devil. So to a music break, you'll hear Warren and Booker and news, social media nuggets. Of this dark world, we will wear the belt of truth because we know the truth. We speak truth to power. We will put on the bright breastplate of righteousness because we know right from wrong, and we will not forget it. We will hold that shield of faith. As Dr. King said, faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. So hold on to that faith tightly. We will wield the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, and the good book promises us The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. As a mayor and senator, he has been able to garner major news headlines, including the time he rescued a woman out of a burning home in Newark when he was mayor there. But critics say he has at times embellished the truth to gain favor, including earlier this in his political career when he referenced a person he called an alleged drug dealer. He called them this person T-Bone, but several reports say T-Bone wasn't an actual person, rather a composite of people Booker had met. On Capitol Hill, Booker has at times tried unifying the place by working with Republicans like Rand Paul on criminal justice reform, but he's also been a strongly partisan Democrat, notably during the confirmation hearings for Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. When I think of you now, I think of I am Spartacus, and and that I don't know if is, is the best reflection of you. So, well, so- I, I hope people go back and watch that whole clip because even that was twisted. What we do in this culture right now 
It's a teardown culture. The truth doesn't even really matter. And I hope you'll go back and watch the, the Kavanaugh hearings. That was one of my prouder moments, sticking up for people. And when I was threatened to be thrown out of the Senate, I, I told the senator that did that, bring it. Another senator stood up and said, if you're going to throw Cory Booker out, throw me into the pit as well. And that senator, I looked at them and I said, wow, uh, that's like an I am Sparkers moment. He stepped forward and said, anything that happens to Cory happens to me. Who's that? It's Senator Dick Durbin, who was a righteous oh, man. Yeah. And, and, and what I'm saying like now, that's the problem with our culture is it these snippets. We, we have people getting more and more ratings by tearing down the other people. Yeah. That's not how I'm going to run this campaign. If you're tired of that kind of bitterness, of that kind of trash talking, that kind of trolling, that kind of politics that is just a race to the bottom in our country, then don't support me. Because I'm not in this race to tear people down. I'm in this race to try to build our nation up. How will he fare in this crowded Democratic primary, one of the most diverse in history, if not the most diverse in history? One advantage he could have is that he has raw political talent that Democrats point to. Just his raw political talent. Uh, he's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, Cory Booker is a force of nature. He is, he is not a normal person. He's not a normal candidate. Uh, he's somebody who, who brings an extra gear when it comes to energy and empathy. I think Van hits on great points there. The energy, uh, the enthusiasm, you can see it there in that introductory uh, video. He's got the marching band there. It feels very young. It feels very now. Uh, it feels very fresh. And I think it's time as a country we have this incredibly diverse field where, you know, the, of the folks already running, you know, the straight white guys are a, you know, I think there's one candidate right now. Um, and that speaks to the evolution of American politics and the Democratic Party. But it also speaks, I think, the need to transcend our tribalism and the ethnic and racial algebra of putting together coalitions mm -hmm. doesn't work as so much as being a compelling candidate with a great message and a great record. But on this stuff, he is somebody who's pretty electrifying. I think uh, between him and Elizabeth Warren, those are the folks uh, who really send sort of a buzz through the crowd. People want to touch them. People want to be around them. And uh, that's something that I think that's going to serve him really well, particularly in a state like Iowa, particularly in a state uh, like New Hampshire, where you are in those living rooms talking to people, telling your story uh, and trying to connect.
Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. This, this is this is something, man. This is this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. The LGBT community now dealing with a major setback after a Supreme Court ruling this week. It allows President Trump's transgender military ban to go into effect. Now, the high court voted five to four to let the controversial Pentagon policy work its way through the lower courts. The new rules disqualify most transgender people from military service, with a few exceptions. Retired U.S. Navy SEAL and transgender advocate Kristen Beck is joining us now to discuss this. Mm-hmm. Kristen, you called this ruling BS. Yes, I called it BS. I mean, the architects of this republic, the Constitution, the independence, uh, the Declaration of Independence, everything and all the words we talk about, liberty, individual liberty, and protection from the government oppression, protection from the higher government. It's about the individual liberty. And I just find that they're trying to take an entire group of people and deny them that freedom and liberty that we all deserve. And so I suggest we possibly do a ban for military service on rich white men, because I hear that bone spurs are very predominant in rich white men. So I think we should start another ban. I want to play what retired four-star Army General Stanley McChrystal said to CNN's David Axelrod about this ban. If we have people who want to serve, if they have the desire, the capacity to serve, I think it's a mistake to lose that talent. I also think it's a mistake to send any message that says that somebody with those attributes, the willingness and the capability to serve, uh, not being welcome is a negative message to send. Kristen, this ban is being appealed, knowing that people like General McChrystal are on your side. Does that give you hope that this current policy will be reversed? In our military corner, that um, I screwed up. That was Gillibrand, not Warren, on the out of the f- previous segment. And that was CNN giving just one person, unfettered, you could just say whatever the fuck you want against the transgender ban. The point zero 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 one of the Army speaking about the army okay want to cover briefly this ted cruz tweeted out earlier in the week and i'll give jake tapper credit he did it too air force veteran joseph walker will be laid to rest monday and no one is expected to attend the cemetery said they do not know where his family is and they do not want him to be laid to rest alone picture sent out wasn't in the mainstream media but miles long cars coming never got a final count but that's fantastic. 
Other story is IAVI. All right. IVA. IVA. Iraqi and Afghanistan veterans of America. Finally, right check is leaving. I could read this really long story. I'm going to hold it. All I'm going to say now, because this is going to be the beginning of the next military corner, because I want to get this in. Rychek's a piece of shit. He was a lieutenant who literally politicked during time of war. And the whole charity has a 79. It's horrible. But the media love it. He gets FaceTime. And if those have been with the show, I played sound bites from the RNC convention, but I could never find him for the DNC because he never went. Because he's a Democrat. He's stepping down. So we're going to take that fag down a fucking peg next podcast. I said fag. Be offended. Don't care. He's not a homosexual. I have no other evil ones I can get away with on this podcast. He's a piece of fucking shit. Then Virginia, while they're killing babies and walking around in blackface, they're working to ratify the U.S. Constitutional Amendment forcing women to register for the selective service. So, I want to say for the record, hells to the yeah. Said it before, if you want to be equals, be fucking equals. Women want all this equality, but they don't want to do the same things men do when it's in regards to the military. So if women could be Delta Force and Rangers, well, guess what? Delta Force and Rangers have to sign up for the Selective Service when they're 17. And I don't know why anybody brought it up. That would have been my counter-argument. When Obama was pandering for the woman vote, he did all this stupid shit for Hillary. But they didn't do it 100. You want to go all in, go 100. All right, we're going to do the college crazy, and I move this back here because I'm sure somewhere down the road somebody's going, I cannot believe he didn't talk about Jesse. First and foremost, who names her fucking kid Jesse? Anybody out there? What kind of fucking name is that? But here's the fucking bullshit story of the month as we go into color. Well, certainly a very disturbing attack. Chicago police have not released many details. They say they are investigating this as a possible hate crime. Certainly there are many indications of a hate crime here. They are looking for two suspects who were apparently wearing Make America Great Again hats, though that has not yet been officially confirmed. There has been no detailed description on the suspects. This again happened around 2 a.m. in downtown Chicago. Investigators say the victim was able to walk himself to a local hospital where we are told he is in good and stable condition today but again a very disturbing attack with very few details about these two assailants who also apparently reeled out homophobic and racist slurs to him before they attacked him physically and then uh, tied that that noose around his neck before leaving uh, what do we know about the the suspect very little. Uh, not even a description has been released other than they were two white males. We don't know their heights. We don't know their builds. That's all information that police were working on. Of course, this did happen in the downtown Chicago area. So one thing investigators will likely look at is any surveillance video in the area. They have not released any leads on that so far, but clearly multiple investigators from several different departments at Chicago PD are all working on this case together. I am just looking at our notes. I don't know that NBC has confirmed uh, mm. that they were specifically wearing those hats. I believe it's been reported. Uh, I, I don't believe that NBC has been able to confirm that detail. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Our first guest tonight is an actress you loved in Juno, Inception, and the X-Men franchise. She now stars in the new Netflix series, The Umbrella Academy. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Ellen Page. Delight. How have you been? I've been well. Yeah. 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 Been all over the world. Where you been? I've just been working. Do you live here in New York? Or do you live on the West Coast? I just moved here. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever yeah. live here before? Thank you so much. Did you live here before? Briefly, I've shot movies. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, but it's not greatest, like the greatest city in the world, right here. It's a beautiful. Congratulations. City. Thank you so much. Excellent choice. Thank Excellent you. choice. Thank you. Now I know that this is. Or is this? Uh, we're coming up. Or we, you just had your first anniversary of, of of your marriage. I did. To, uh, to your wife here. Yes. Uh, Emma Portner. Right yeah. There. That's lovely. You look like a happy couple right there. We are. I and, love her. Yeah. Uh, I, just want, I want to ask you, I know that these days there's, there's far more acceptance than there was even just a few years ago. But is it ever, is it hard to be married to someone so much taller than you are? <laughs> Because that must turn heads. Look, I know this is I know this is going to shock you. Mm-hmm. Most, if not all, of my partners have been taller than me. Oh. So it's something okay. uh, I've had to, to adjust to. Had to deal with. Yeah, uh-huh. since elementary school, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So. Wow. So yeah. your whole life, you've just felt I'm a short person. Yeah. 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 But I've dealt yeah. with it, and I'm and I'm proud mm-hmm. of it. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Good for you. Thank Good for you. you. I appreciate it. Thank you very yeah. much. This, uh, uh, I guess, I guess this is uh, I, I first interview about you about five years ago, which was shortly after you first came out mm-hmm. publicly. Um, has Hollywood changed? People say Hollywood is more progressive than it was. Oh, you're smiling already. <laughs> oh, you're adorable, Stephen Colbert. Um, <laughs> is, is that is that the case? You find a change in the last uh, last few years? I think. Yeah, I mean, look, there's clear evidence that it has changed, that there is some progress. There's, like, some more representation. But honestly, I really think we need to hurry up. Mm -hmm. I don't... It's not cutting it. Hollywood and the and the film industry in particular in particular is just so binary and it is so, I find, can be narrow in its ideas of who can tell stories and who can be in the stories. And um, and I hope it continues to change. And like I say, clearly there are changes, and there's extraordinary people that are leading the way and doing that. Um, but I hope it I hope it it continues to go uh, quicker because there's certain things that I'm just sick and tired of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything in particular? <laughs> um, well, be, I mean, I've worked in this industry for a while. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Canada. I started working at 10 and then sort of the hard candy Juno time, late teens, early 20s. And in terms of the level of misogyny and homophobia I've dealt with, yeah, it's really, it's been, it's been really unfortunate. Yeah. What would you go back and say to that young lady who is dealing with that now? Do you, do you think some advice you could give to young actresses who perhaps maybe don't have the confidence to be themselves or young actors who don't have the confidence to be themselves right now and to stand up to the, the role that is laid upon them or the identity that's laid upon them? Because as a young performer, you, you want to work and you don't want to ruffle any feathers and it can be hard to stand up for your own self. Sure, it is. And it was very hard for me. 
-hmm. and I dealt with a lot of stuff that was totally normalized mm -hmm. since the age, since really young, you know. What, what would you say to that young person? How would, how would you? I'd give that? her a hug, mm -hmm. and I would tell her she's not alone, and that she can reach out to people, mm -hmm. and that behavior is not okay. That's the, that's the most important thing, I think, is for people not to feel alone and to know that the other people are going through the same story. There's a community for you to be a part of, and that gives you strength. 100%. Well, you're, you're, environment, you're environmentally conscious. You're involved in a lot of environmental causes right now. Um, and as a performer, you, you, of course, you understand the importance of getting the audience's attention. Do you have any idea how we can get the public and the, the media to pay more attention to what's happening in global warming? Because... It's such a long, there's such a long uh, time uh, span where these effects will happen in really dramatic ways. Is it that long? I think they're, they're happening, these effects. They're well, really they're happening. Well, they can be explained away with other explanations. Until the water just starts swamping Manhattan or just sure. washes away Mar-a-Lago. I, I, I do just think, for example, like, I know. But you know what I mean? Like, yes. even I, who believe in God, yes. oh, I gotta hope it's wrong. Maybe it's wrong. No, I hear you. Because you don't want to think that such terrible things are going to happen. Of course we wish, but it is. And, and I just want to say, too, people, particularly the most marginalized people, and particularly people in the world that had nothing to do with this, are the ones that are suffering the most currently, mm -hmm. including in Canada, including the environmental racism that's happening in Canada, including the province I'm from. What's environmental racism? It disproportionately affects people of color, whether it's um, like the, the, the disproportionate amount of landfills that are placed next to communities of uh, people of color in Nova Scotia, mm. or whether it's about a, a, a pulp mill in Picto, Nova Scotia, that's been there forever and uh, has destroyed the, you know, the, the, the environment and uh, the land of First Nations people. Mm -hmm. you know? It's like this is something that's happening. And it's happening to the most marginalized people, and we need to be talking about it. It's really serious. We've been told, as we know it, that by 2030, the world as we know it, that's it. That's it. If it was a movie, we'd have Bruce Willis in a suit, like, talking about something. Please cast me. Um, and said, but uh, you have, you like, please, Amy Adams, save us. I can just pray that, AD, like, finally the aliens will come and have compassion for us, and Amy can do something. We, but, need, like, we need superheroes. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like yeah. the urgency would be so severe, and instead it's like we have a media that's barely talking about it. We have a media that's saying it's a debate whether or not what just happened to Jesse Smollett is a hate crime. It's absurd. Mm -hmm. This isn't a debate. I agree. I agree. Sorry, I'm like... Not at all. I'm like really fired not up tonight, this but... Is how, this is how you have to be fired up. It feels up. impossible to you not feel to, this way right now with yeah. the president and the vice president, Mike Pence, who like wishes I couldn't be married. Let's just be clear. The vice president of America wishes I didn't have the love with my wife. He wanted to ban that in Indiana. He believes in conversion therapy. He has hurt LGBTQ people so badly as the government of Indiana, and I think the thing we need to know, and I hope my show Gaycation did this, in terms of connecting the dots, in terms of what happened the other day to Jesse, I don't know him personally, I, I sent all of my love. Connect the dots. This is what happens.
If you are in a position of power and you hate people and you want to cause suffering to them, you go through the trouble. You spend your career trying to cause suffering. What do you think is going to happen? Kids are going to be abused and they're going to kill themselves. And people are going to be beaten on the street. I have traveled the world and I have met the most marginalized people you could meet. I am lucky to have this time and the privilege to say this. This needs to stop. I, I do want to add, I, I do want to add, I do want to add that the, um, I do want to add that the new Netflix series, The Umbrella Academy, <laughs> is about a family of superheroes. It's a great show. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Ellen Page, everybody. Let's just cut to the chase. This is total bull fucking shit. Twitter moment. In appearance on Colbert, Ellen Page delivered a passion plea to protect LGBT people. Another LGBT right. Actually wrote this. We have yet to electrify gay camps. And it's disappointing that we don't have um, even have women in red robes yet. People like Adam have been promising this shit for at least three years now, and we got nothing. Because Adam best went all crazy. He's a gay rights guy. Um, so the story goes, supposedly this guy's driving, going home. He doesn't have a pack of Skittles and a fucking iced tea in his hand. But he's got Subway. This time, they didn't talk about the Subway. I'm not belittling what happened to Trayvon Martin, but that's all we heard was about Skittles and some nest tea. Because it's a key thing. It starts with a gay attack. They called him a faggot. And a bunch of other shit. Put a rope around his neck and poured bleach on him. By midday, Jesse Smollett's cop attacker shouted, Mega Country! Empire calls... In armed security. This is all TMZ. Follow interview. Attacker yelled, Mega country. He never said that in the first one. He remembered it in the second. People literally said they're wearing mega hats. Hollywood jumped in. Everybody you can guess down to... Reiner and everybody, oh, this is Billy, you know, Grey's Anatomy star Ellen Pompeo directly blamed Trump followers. These punks, these haters are filled with fear and insecurities, will continue to spread hate and violence in the name of this administration. Must be called out at every turn. Ugh, Cher, Taji, Penson, everybody, you pieces of shit. Then, they say, 
Chicago's quite famous for its white supremacist gangs that rove the street 20 below weather carrying bleach just in case they run into a black TV star who portrays a homosexual. But where are y'all? The bleach boys are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Far left watch. The Daily Beast. People in MAGA hats attacks Smollett. Ten minutes later, okay, they weren't, but they said MAGA company. Two hours later, they did not say anything about MAGA. GQ, the racist homophobic attack on Jesse Smollett is far-right America's endgame. Whole story about how we're just out here killing gay people, and then the facts start coming by evening. Police reviewed hundreds of hours of video and found no footage of alleged attack on Jesse Smollett. Rashida Tlaib around this time one of the most famous black and gay men in America is not safe the message is clear that it has ever been the dangerous lies spewing from the right wing is killing and hurting our people thinking of you Jesse Smith and my LGBTQ members half the world go nobody knows who the fuck this guy is how the fuck is he nobody I know, who watches Empire I've never even heard of him same day, her and Ilian Amar, I can read it again, another fucking bash on Israel. Same time. Nobody cares. And then Rafer Weagle releases this morning, Chicago Police source tell Fox 13 News that Jesse Smollett was seen on surveillance still holding a Subway sandwich when he returned to the building around the alleged attack. Okay, if you got the fucking beat down had bleach poured on you, had a noose around your neck, and it was for the reals, with a Z, would you still hold on to your fucking cold, cold cut combo? I mean, seriously? There is no video of anything. None. And there were video cameras everywhere. This didn't happen. It's bullshit. It's another fake, faux, gays are getting killed story, just like Matthew Shepard. A drug deal that went bad. Took five years for somebody to actually investigate it. They printed it once, and then they blocked it from the internet. It was fucking bullshit. He didn't get attacked. He didn't. So that whole story is full of shit. It's a lie, and once again, the media exasperated it with the mega hat, mega country, that he added it on later. He never said it in the beginning. Don't you think if you just got lynched, supposedly, with bleach, you'd say everything? He forgot the mega country, because then he started reading his Twitter account, because he still has a phone, and he won't turn over his phone. He won't give his phone up. Or his Subway fucking sandwich. He's a liar. The fucking liar. California Board of Trustees scratch Pledge of Allegiance over white nationalism history. I'm not even going to lose my temper. California is not America. Not even architecture is immune to the IR social justice warriors. The Cooper Union of Manhattan Art School is set to host a lecture called The Space of Appearance infrastructures of whiteness. So let that sit for a second. 
infrastructures of whiteness. Now buildings are racist. Really? Is it brick or siding? Do I have to do stucco so I'm not living in a racist home? Because God knows I don't want to live in a racist home. Ex-MSDNC host, professor, invokes slavery, Jim Crow, and Twitter tirade about school, Wake Forest. What was her tweets? Academic freedom is truly dead, Wake Forest. Two days after a public MLK address where I called into question the university's labor practice, Provost R. Schirkel sent an email inviting me to eliminate AGC Center as a university ent- entity and offering a goodwill payoff, not for sale. I have given my lifeblood to Wake Forest in recent years, leading two centers, people and blah, blah, without pay, and giving tens of thousands and blah, 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 and you people are horrible. No, you are. You couldn't even keep a show. You were too racist for racists that hate white people. Seriously. Florida school board keeps policy pushing male coaches to supervise undressing girls. Amazing the media is not covering this in the Me Too movement. I just want to bring it up again. We talked about it. The middle school teacher was put on leave after misidentifying and doxing Covington Catholic School. And that is fantastic. Suspension for high school teacher who showed Fox News documentary has been extended without an additional hearing. Poplard was punished for showing several senior students a Fox News documentary titled The Truth About Sex in College, which featured this reporter. The video was part of a broader lesson plan to keep students out of the messy campus procedures for sexual assault, both as a victim and as an accuser. But because it came from Fox News and was done by Martha McCallum, a non-woman, I guess, because she doesn't want to abort babies after they've been born. That's an incredible concept. Um, yeah. Suspended. High school student disqualified for debate after quoting Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson. A Utah high school senior lost a debate round because he read, quote, the Daily Wire editor-in-chief Ben Shapiro and clinical psychologist Dr. Jordan Peterson, who were deemed white supremacists by the judge. Late in high school senior Michael Marino and his debate partner, whom the Daily Wire will not name, were participating in a round and topic relating to immigration. The specific topic of the round was resolved. The United States federal government should substantially reduce restrictions on legal immigration. Marino and his partner were arguing in the negative, meaning they were arguing against the other team's plan to reduce restrictions on legal immigration. Instead of arguing in the affirmative, Marino told Daily Wire the other team read a slam poem about how terms like legal and illegal are dehumanizing. Documents provided... They, the students quotes from numerous professors critical of assimilation and notion that immigrants must act American to live. The good life promises of citizenship and good life forced non-normative subjects into slow death working towards the unbelievable goal of American dream. The structure of the debate allowed for the affirmative to propose a plan and then have the negative argue against the plan. Since the other team did not propose solutions to reduce restrictions on legal immigration, Marino said his team had nothing to argue against and claimed this was unfair. We argued that this is a bad, bad for debate as it's unfair to us, that we came here as a negative to argue against substantially reducing restrictions on legal immigrants, not their slam poem. The other team during the cross-examination section of the debate said Marino and his partner could not talk about fairness because they were white males. Yeah. Why not? Coming to a high school near you. It's just coming. 
It's, it's coming. Baltimore City School Board votes no to arming officers. So now they've stripped the guns away from all the school safety officers. That makes sense. School shooting coming your way soon in Baltimore. Students sue school district over unconstitutional Bible ban. Cumberland County High School in Pennsylvania is suing the district what they call an unconstitutional unconstitutional ban on distributing the Bible on campus. The students' leaders of Christian and Action Student Club filed their lawsuit against Mechanicsburg Area School District Wednesday with the help of an independent law center after the district refused to rescind its policies preventing the students from handing out Bibles on campus during a non-instructional hour. The law firm, a local pro bono, initially sent a letter to the school district administrator and challenged them to rescind it. The school district responded to the challenge, claiming the law firm's allegations were misleading and that the students never formally requested to hand out Bibles and were therefore never officially prohibited from distributing. But that's not the case. And now it's going to go to court. And it's going to get a liberal judge appointed by Obama who hates God. And yeah, they're going to lose. New Jersey becomes second in the nation to require that schools teach LGBT history. We're not talking just basic shit. Down to the nuts and bolts. Same subject. This might explain a lot. Facebook touted that LGBTQ staffing hit 8%. Yeah. The LGBT employment represented a 14.29% jump in just one year. The company touted the increase in the U.S. employees who self-identify as LGBTQ EIO or trans for the third year in a row. So maybe that's why the dead naming came. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Then you got Tyler O'Neill. Transgender activism is a men's right movement, declares D. Kansky. Men need to fight against the gender identity movement. That's a liberal, not a conservative. That's just weird. Thought crime. Man subject of hate crime investigation for liking transphobic tweet. Cops probe his thinking. This is in England. And it's real. I'm not making it up. It's like the third one we've read. The other two were Ireland. Where thoughts got you in trouble. But then there's some positive stuff. U.S. powerlifting bans all trans women from competing as women. That's the way it should be. It's not fair. We're talking about equality. And it's not equal for me to put on a wig and some falsies and go powerlift. White men need not apply British Fire Service lower standards for women and minorities, and this is coming to a firehouse near you. Once again, we've covered on the show how that's the big push from the far, far left, that Leo and fire departments are too white. So we're going to make it just like 911 on Fox and make sure we have an Oriental, a gay black gal, a gay white person... An A, you know, uh, Hispanic, you know, you got to hit all the dots. And then everybody's got to be, you know, having gay liaisons and interracial marriages. That'll be the next step. You know, you can't, if I'm married to a white woman, I can't be a firefighter because I'm in a cis-normative uh, white relationship, which makes me automatically racist. Yeah. Okay. And then we literally, I think it was last year, 
talked about the black dog racism. That black dogs do not get adopted at a commensurate rate as other colored dogs, and that's because everybody's fucking racist. A lot of articles. It was absurd. Well, we just said, hold the beard. Let me take it to the next level. Glass ceiling for dogs. Males win Westminster almost twice as often as girl dogs. And the article put out by the New Yorker, there are only 1,200 female competitors and there's 1,700 males. That could have something to do with it, but we're not going to look at that. We're going to say judges are sexist and they're picking males over women dogs. Yeah, that's what the story says. You fucking people are just fucking crazy. Then... Washington State Baker, a temerity to make the build the wall cookies for Valentine's Day? Yeah. He frustrated them. Everybody got all pissed off. And now, guess what? They're mailing them across the country. So, I guess it didn't work. New York Times, once again, the objective journalist they are, takes on Blackface and Mary Poppins. I'm not reading it. I'm just going to say that. Blackface and Mary Poppins. Within the article, they literally say they know it's coal suit or soot because, once again, they're cleaning chimneys. And even though Manuel, whatever, the guy that hates America from Hamilton, is a person of color... It's insensitive. They go back to a Mickey Mouse short parody of Uncle Tom's Cabins, Mickey Melodrama. Uh, Jesus Christ. They dug deep for this. And they're now saying that Mary Poppins is horrible because people have blackface. Which is why people like this exist. Phoenix Restaurant says his photo is a coal miner, but I see offensive blackface. An entire article, a picture of coal miners, and she ends up the article. The photo tells me I'm not welcome. Well, guess what? Don't go to the restaurant. If you don't feel welcome, don't go to them. Because if a picture of a coal miner makes you think about minstrels like the New York Times and Mary fucking Poppins... Probably the world's not for you. I mean, outside your house, folks, and your radio channel, and your CNN only on your TV, there's a whole other world with different views than you, and you might be offended. So the world's not for you. Stay home, cuddle up and read the New York Times opinion station, or section, Listen to CNN or MSDNC and live in that echo chamber because the world's not made for you. I mean, because nobody outside your bubble has to live like you. I know it's hard for liberals like Cuomo and Chuck Dodd and Seltzer and Lemon. They live in a world where everybody's got to think like them. No, that's your bubble. 
that's where you live. I live on a street with a whole bunch of different diverse people, gay, straight, black, white, in a rural community. None of us expect anybody to do anything. Nothing. There's even a douchebag that has turned his front yard one and a half miles away from me into a fucking farmland. It's fucking horrible. It should be banned, but it's none of my goddamn business. So I just make sure my windows are rolled up when I drive by. Because if he wants to live in a perpetual hee-haw sketch, that's his right as an American. And it's none of my goddamn business. Restaurant owner refuses service to any customers wearing mega hats. This happened this week. Uh, It hasn't happened yet, but if you were coming to my restaurant wearing a mega hat, you aren't getting served. Same as if you came in wearing a swastika, white hood, or any other symbol of intolerance and hate. It was a great story. It's why Cuomo and them talked about it. The San Francisco Chronicle took it up. San Mateo restaurant owner apologizes for mega hat ban because he got destroyed in San Francisco by liberals, which gave me hope. Yeah. Oregon governor supports universal government visits for all newborn and their parents. This is the same state that wants to do what New York did. Me and my wife had a conversation about this. I truly believe the left's plan, because they have the religion of progressivism, where you cannot be woke enough, and they have the religion of climate change, cooling, warming, whatever the fuck it's called today. Within that is that you shouldn't have but one hamburger, you shouldn't have a lot of kids, unless you're me, you shouldn't have a house, you should be living in a cave. I don't think this is about the safety of the baby. I think this is actually about... They're going Chinese, folks. Their love of you know live birth abortions and telling you not to have a lot of kids because it's really expensive articles. I think they want to limit people reproducting. Or reproducing, sorry. I think that's where we're going. We have another, Marion Williamson. She wants a spiritual awakening in the U.S. I put it down here. She's running for president. She's an uh, uh, Oprah sycophant. But within it, I believe $100 billion given to a council to apply this money to economic projects and educational projects of renewal for that population is a debt to be paid. She's talking about slave reparations. I'm not making that up. That's happening. Yeah. And then our last story for shits and giggles. Cops think got less than he bargained for. A Florida man is behind bars after stealing what he thought was hydrocodone pills, but which turned out to be actually over-the-counter laxatives. And not opioids, according to a criminal complaint. Cobbs alleged that Peter Hans Emery, 56, took the pills from a lockbox at the victim's Pinnell Park home Thursday morning. Plaintless Emery's home address at the site of the theft itself. His relationship with the 49-year-old victim is unknown. Emery Cobbs says was recorded by a video camera entering the victim's lockbox, selecting a pill bottle, pouring pills in his hand, and then leaving. 
The pill container was labeled hydrocodone. However, Emery subsequently discovered that he had not swiped painkillers. The pill bottle actually contained dosage of equate gentle laxatives, which promised predictable overnight relief from constipation. When Pinnell's Park Police Department caught up with Emery Thursday night, he took it, but he threw them away when he learned what they were because he sat on a toilet for a while. That is goddamn karma. To our lighter fare, Matt Best, Gun PT, Owen Burke, leftist calling cons Nazis, and another Gillette parody. Rifle PT, let's go. As you know, today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. Millions of Jews were murdered by the Third Reich, Nazis, Hitler, the Gestapo, all of them, persecution of a people due to their religious beliefs. It was a horrible thing that should never be repeated, and today we remember those. But at the same time, I want to draw your attention to one thing that we also need to remember in today's day and age. Every single leftist Democrat that calls a conservative a Nazi or a brown shirt, you or a disgrace. To compare your fellow Americans to those that murdered in the name of religion and bigotry and hatred, your inaccurate comparison is a disgrace to those that were killed in the Holocaust. Glenn Beck, I still remember you referred to Trump supporters as brown shirts. That won't be forgotten. So to every Democrat today that has ever called a conservative a brown shirt or a Nazi, don't you dare post anything about the Holocaust. It's a slap in the face to those that died for their beliefs. Is this the best a man can get? A straight white Trump supporter? Look at him, standing there. Standing is aggressive. There's something aggressive about standing there. Gillette disapproves of standing. Standing is racist. Gillette. Look at this stoic black man. The biggest terrorist on the face of this earth is the pale-faced man, woman, and child. What a noble hero facing down that dangerous army of teenagers aggressively standing there. There's something aggressive about standing there. You little dirty-ass crackers, your day coming. Look at these hats. They're red. Gillette disapproves of red hats. Make America great again? Gillette disapproves of making things great. Making things great is racist. Hats are racist. Wow, what a noble Indian man. Nobly approaching these boys and pounding his noble drum inches from this boy's punchable face. Everyone that sees that smug look wants to punch that kid. This is truly the best a man can get. No, wait. This 
is the best a man can get. Get your old Uncle Tom ass out of here. But let's get to the real issue here. It's not race. Dirty ass crackers. It's not gender. Toxic masculinity. It's not about sexual orientation. Your president is a homosexual. It's not about who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. Do you feel you owe anybody an apology? How are you doing and how are you feeling? It's about that smirk. Look at that face. You want to punch that face. Does this kid think this Indian guy is joking around? No. Is this kid confused? No. Did this awkward encounter inspire a unique and unpredictable reaction from this boy? No. This is the smirk of toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. Smirking is racist. White kids bad. Black men good. Noble Indian man never lied about anything. Gillette does not approve of white boys. Gillette does not approve of MAGA hats. Gillette does not approve of soulless gingers. Gillette. Rid in the world of toxic masculinity. Gillette is the razor to use if you want to cut your balls off. Gillette. A razor for men who shave their vaginas. Gillette. A razor for men who pee sitting down. Gillette, the number one razor for men who attended the women's march. Look at all these dusty ass crackers. You nigga. You nigga. You got all these racist bastards with racist ass Make America Great hats on. All these peckerwoods with Make America Great pompous bastards come down here with their dirty ass hat on. A bunch of in- incest babies. A bunch of babies made out of incest. Goddamn dog. Get rid of your lice. You understand who the real caveman is now? You, you dirty bastards better be ready. You better be ready. Do you feel from this experience that you owe anybody an apology. Are the buses here yet? Are the buses? Some more yuck yucks to go along the way. My daughter sent me this week a picture that somebody had done the day after tomorrow cover and talked about the polar vortex. But it was used by every politician on the planet to try to prove climate change or some shit. Uh, Jesse Ferguson. Picture on the left was taken yesterday in Chicago. Picture on the right is from the movie The Day After Tomorrow about global climate change. Just leaving this here. We hope you had a good seat because the show is about to begin. He was serious. Then the world took it to the funny. Razor. Picture on the left was taken this week in Chicago. Picture on the right is from the harrowing documentary Frozen. (laughs) Stephen Miller. Left Chicago, the other the thing from back in the day. Uh, right, Right wing M. Picture on the left was taken yesterday in Chicago. Picture on the right, Snow Miser from the year without the Santa Claus. I laughed so hard on that. I peed myself almost. Ryan Aral. Left Chicago, right frozen about man-made climate change. Casey, left Chicago, right Game of Thrones. Optimus, Chicago, broke back mountain. Uh, conservative in tech, the shining was his right. Soderstrom, Ice Age, the cartoon. Ryan Prisick, the spy who loved me. Government shutdown. The lion, the witch in the wardrobe. The salt, the salty AG. Well, that's pretty cool. It's close to my handle on Twitter. Are from the film Aladdin, where Street Rat and his monkey deal with the effects of climate change. Paul Saka, 
dumb and dumber Jerry Dunleavy, the Empire Strikes Back with those fucking walkers coming at you. And then BT, this picture was taken in Chicago in 2017. And yet, here's another one from Wisconsin. And it's Hillary Clinton on her book tour. And I just thought that was fucking hilarious. Just hilarious. Two quick things when we close out. It's like the tie-in to where we're at. Brett Ellison... Our Easton Ellis is the only person out there that I've heard had the balls. He's an actual writer for movies. Um, to call on Black Panther as the best picture. It's won a lot of awards, and they're pushing it because it's Black Panther. But I want you to think back, when has ever a comic book movie been even nominated? There's not a lot, folks. It just doesn't happen. Iron Man wasn't getting best picture. But Black Panther's being pushed down your throat like you wouldn't believe. Stephanie Whittle-Walks blew up conservative Twitter with this tweet. If you still support the Republican Party or actively or passively support hate, intolerance, and racism, period. End of story. There's no gray area. You're a shitty person. Don't at me, racist. And this was after all the Northman stuff. And Lawrence Tribe said, having listened closely to his press conference, I think it was wrong to jump to conclusion Reflected below about Governor Northam, live and learn. That's where we're at today on that story. To tie in the beginning to the end. That's where we're at. What about isms? But Trump's worse. Conservatives are worse. One person put something out there that was so fucking retarded that everybody destroyed her with read a fucking book. Republicans are the party of racism. It just shows an innate inability to critically think. Or pay attention to anything. But as I tweeted to that person, it's hard for these millennials and 30-somethings to not think that way. As we prove it on the show, back to Reagan's time, Republican candidates for presidents are Nazis and racists. Democrats are for the people. But if you know history, Republicans ended slavery. If you know history, Dixiecrats gave, gave you Jim Crow. Not Republicans. But that's not taught in school because that's sticky. CNN's pushing this one big thing that's just cracking me the fuck up. And at a time we're laying off all these people in the journalism profession, they're spending $5.25 million on a commercial to remind the American public how important it is that we have news journalists in a time of fake news that is propagated by these news journalists. 10,000 fake Russian stories, Covington Catholic attacking, and BuzzFeed. A journalist said that could employ about, I think, at 50,000. They did the math, a bunch of people, yada, yada. But when it really breaks down, if you're so good at your job and you're not what Charles Cook said, you don't need to run camp, you know, campaign commercials for your paper during the Super Bowl. It's not necessary. Your work makes people sign up. But what's really happening is what we talked about year one. We're in year two. People are not subscribing. They're sick of hearing 10,000 trumps the devil. Nobody wants it except for the resistance. So when you put out a product that only is good for about 25, 30% of the country, what did you expect Daily Beast today 
today. Oh, I'm sorry. Last night, 10 p.m. Tom Brady's New England Patriots are Team Mega, whether they like it or not. Their star quarterback, coach, and owner all supported Trump. But that's not the only thing that makes the Super Bowl 50-whatever-the-fuck-bound Patriots the preferred team of white nationalists. That's a fucking article. White nationalists. White nationalists. That's what the New England Patriots are. While I live in a red state, I'm pretty fucking conservative. And I fucking hate the New England Patriots. I'll be rooting for the Rams. I don't even like the Rams. They've been there nine times in my lifetime. I'm done with the Patriots. Or ten. Ten times. Because they played us when we won in 96. I'm done with the Patriots. But they're white nationalists? Because they had a mega hat? Are you serious? Really? So today the resistance will be dogging the Patriots if they win the Super Bowl. Trump won. They'll be rooting against them because they don't want Trump to have a victory. Are you that sick? And I know this is long, but I want to get this in because it's once again like to tie in the beginning to the end. Unplanned's coming out. And this is the Abby Johnson story about her journey to pro-life. It won't get a lot of press. Theaters will drop it just like Gosnell that literally made me cry. It was so moving and so well done with no politics that there was no need to block it, but they didn't watch it because it's they don't want to see what they don't like. For the record, the day I watched Gosnell, I watched four pro-abortion documentaries on Amazon that were all one-sided propaganda pieces. Propaganda pieces. One of them about after-birth abortion, pretty much. Late-term abortion. And they just made it all like, oh, this is so necessary when it's not. So here's the trailer for it, and then we'll wrap up the show. Abby Johnson is in the other room. Here. Our first order of business is to present Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year Award. Abby Johnson. This is Abby. She's our newest volunteer escort. Abby, this is Cheryl D'Alessandro. I'd be the youngest director in Planned Parenthood history. You'll actually be in charge of the abortions at your clinic? I have a chance to make a real difference. No matter what you do for the rest of your life, you're still going to be a baby killer. The only thing that's changed is you, Abby. Can you even hear yourself talk right now about these procedures? These are little babies. I'm not going to apologize for doing a job that helps women in crisis. There's still part of me that isn't sure. I know. But the one thing that all experts agree on is that at this stage, the fetus can't feel anything. Sorry to bother you, but they need an extra person in the back room. Are you free? I saw it. It was like it was twisting and fighting for its life. We commend the souls of these hundreds of children. And Lord, we pray to end abortion. I really appreciate what you've done for us. I'll not forget it. 22,000 abortions. How do I even comprehend that? Rough day at the office. You can say that. You're making a mess. What are you doing? It's your dad and me. 
You are our baby from the moment of conception. We are paying you to be a perfect instrument of corporate policy. We are an abortion provider. I can't be a part of this anymore. Everything that they've told us is a lie. Don't underestimate the repercussions of this. You gotta be careful. Rhonda, please don't do this! Rhonda! Let me tell you what's gonna happen if you walk through that door. Congratulations. You make an enemy of one of the most powerful organizations on the planet. Because I follow her work so much, and I, she was one of the reasons that I totally turned pro-life, which I'm pissing off the world because I'm walking around a pro-life hat now. I want to actually, not very Christian thing to do, but I want to draw somebody out, say something that I don't have the right to wear that hat. I'm seeing this. I'm just going to keep looking for it. I'm at the find where it is, and I'm at the go the first weekend because they'll pull it. They're just going to pull it. They're refusing the Roe v. Wade. They're refusing this. They refuse Gosnell. Facebook and Twitter wouldn't let them do ads. It's a mess. It's just a mess. Because you have people on our intro that believe a woman's right to church, choose is to just put the baby to the side, let it, now keep it comfortable, but just let it fucking die. Yeah, that's, that's where we're going. But remember, you're the extremist. If you're like the other 81% of America who believe there should not be abortions after the second trimester. You're, you're an extremist. So this wraps up another episode of Flavor Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments or suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast, gmail.com. You get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. The next show shall be if... Uh, the 6th of February, year of our Lord, 2019. We'll do a Wednesday show. Until then, enjoy the warm weather if you live like I do. Well, most of the country on the east side is going to warm up. Remember to disconnect from all your devices. Remember to root for the Rams tonight. Sorry about that, Patriots fan. Um, hopefully the Rams will win. We'll have a good football game. But enjoy your time with your family. And tune back in on Wednesday for another exciting episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. As always, thanks for listening, and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.